Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Malik. I'm Malik! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's me again. Welcome back (laughs) to The Conversation, Malik. How you been? Oh, I've been pretty all right. I've just been busting my butt making some... Did you know gaming's behind the scene and a bunch of other crazy things? But, oh, you know, that's I can't, as is the norm. I can't wait because I, I always enjoy uh, what you bring to Did You Know Gaming because you, you usually sneak in a relevant factoid that uh, our community would be interested in. You know, like well, I've been mostly just doing the editing, but when I can, when I step into the writer's chair, I like to, you know, <laughs> throw you guys a bone every now and again. Oh, and I say, appreciate uh, this. Isn't quite right that these guys said it first, and, but you know, I'm, I'm like a senior guy there. <laughs> I, I appreciate the table scraps. <laughs> <laughs> Least I can do, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, before we get started on this episode, I do want to offer a slight apology. I don't know how it came across on the last episode, but so I, as I've uh, talked about quite openly on this podcast and throughout the history of DK Vine, you know, I suffer from uh, bipolar two, which is kind of the milder form of bipolar disorder. I say it's mild. It can still be pretty bad, but when I like have my manic episodes, either an upswing or uh, a depressive state, you know, I'm not like full on Kanye West. I I am more mild in my symptoms. I I can feel manic and be like feeling bulletproof and feeling good and feeling euphoric, but I'm never quite to that level, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. anyway, you know, I, I, I suffer from depression usually with bipolar too i don't really have the fun manic upswings as often as i would like so anyway i just say this because usually when i have a real bad uh, bout of depression you know it, it happens it, it it like sort of creeps up on me and i'm not hit with it all at once so <laughs> actually during the last episode of the conversation the women of the Donkey Kong universe episode I did with Gibbon and Courtney uh mm-hmm. about 2 hours in 2 and a half hours in somewhere around that I just fell into the abyss and I could feel myself tumbling down into the darkness of depression and oh. uh <laughs> so you know and I'm I I try to be a consummate professional when it comes to all of my uh, output, but I, I was like, well, the show must go on. I have to just power through it. But it was hard. And I don't know if that came across, if I suddenly sounded disinterested or aloof or just wanting to be done with it. Well, that was the reason. And um, uh, so, well, you, you know. You did very well. Well, thank you. I, you know. I, I don't bring this up like looking for sympathy or anything. It's just it's something I live with. It's, it's a part of me, but it does right. make doing anything for DK Vine a chore when I am this uh, down and out. You know, I the, I didn't get out of bed most days this week. I I was just completely you know in in my shroud of sadness. And and so it it makes you know DK Vine a perilous thing because my intellectually like I know hey this is just my brain chemistry this is this is nothing this is like I will get through this as I always have 
but emotionally, you're not feeling that. You're feeling like, oh, wow, I'm a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I, uh, everybody hates <laughs> the stuff I do. Oh, my God. Uh, no, nobody likes me. All my friends are barely putting up with me. Uh, this, I, I'm just a piece of trash, and I should just crawl into a gutter and die. Uh, so <laughs> I say that I have those days too, huh? You know, <laughs> yeah. I I want to be open about it because I feel like you know mental health. For as much as we have uh, progressed over the last even decade, uh, it's it's still stigmatized. You're still supposed to like find virtue in. Well, have you just tried being happy? Have, have you just have you just tried <laughs> not being sad? Tried that. Yeah, so, you know, it, it happens, and it usually doesn't happen in the middle of the conversation. So I would like to apologize to everyone, uh, my co-host and the audience, if that was perceptible. Uh, I'm still feeling pretty rough right now, if I'm honest. Um, I, I, I think I can turn on the adrenaline just long enough to discuss some Jinjos, because the way I see it, what better... Um, Topic for the Donkey Kong universe to discuss when we discuss the bipolar, you know, nature of Jinjos and Minjos. You know, when <laughs> when I too am feeling uh, at my lowest point. So anyway, uh, off we go. <laughs> so here we go. We yeah. can do this. I'll yeah. help you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it, it, it's you will be the Jinjo to my Minjo, and together we will present a complete history. Of this topic. Uh, first, though, did want to hit up some due diligence. So, w- at my like lowest point this week, I was like, "Oh God, our YouTube channel is a disaster. Oh God, nobody, nobody watches our videos. The YouTube algorithm has completely hosed us." Oh my God! You you think that's bad? I have two channels where I worry about that every single day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like YouTube. We we struggle on our YouTube channel because we have a pretty big audience for our podcast, relatively speaking, and social media, relatively speaking. Uh, yeah. And for whatever reason, YouTube, even for everybody who subscribed to our YouTube channel, our videos just aren't recommended for people. Like, oh, they never see them when we have a new uh, video. So, you know, we, we have videos that just languish. And, I, and like, it, I would like to do more, uh, like, awesome videos, like, deep dive videos uh, on the Donkey Kong universe. And at, at this point, I'm just like, well, what what's the point? What, what you know, like, I, I don't want to be, mm-hmm. like, so vain that I require thousands of views on my work. But, you know, you do feel kind of beaten and demoralized, especially after YouTube demonetized us, and we haven't sorted that out yet, and it's just... Ugh. YouTube has been kind of the the blight in the DK Vine empire, but I'm thinking, hey, uh, I, I can't let the algorithm defeat me, just like I can't let my bipolar disorder defeat me. Check out yeah. our YouTube channel, uh, dkvine.com forward slash YouTube or youtube.com forward slash dkvine. Uh, I am, I am, you know, trying to continue to work on some things that I've teased on this very podcast. I would like to get them out. So, you know, uh, be sure you subscribe. Be sure you stay plugged in. All, all I'm doing right now is putting conversations and uh, some old uh, dkvine done slows up, but... In due time, we will have some juicier content on there, so check it out. But 
Malik, you are no stranger to YouTube, and I, I thought you could plug a little bit for the cartoon gamer and Did You Know Gaming? Uh, sure. So you, if you guys don't know already, uh, I have a channel called The Cartoon Gamer. I just celebrated my 10th anniversary on this godforsaken website, but <laughs> it was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find my work like edited. Sometimes I write, sometimes I research, but mostly editing right now on Digino Gaming. We're doing some pretty crazy stuff. We're spending copious amounts of dollars on videos that we hope to God people will watch so we can get our money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's where you can find me and you can hear me and all that good stuff. We got some crazy things planned as always. Yeah, I hope I, you like him. <laughs> I, you know, you you do you do good work, Malik. I don't say it often enough, but you, uh, I I enjoy your content. It's so positive, and it's so, ju it just embraces what you love, and that's always fun to say. It's, it's why I also like you know the geek critique. It it's just it mm -hmm. just feel good, uh, gaming culture, which I I feel like we need more of. Um, yes. We always do. But I, I feel you there spending uh, copious amounts of money on your video productions. I remember when I, <laughs> I bought this like antique stopwatch for my Is TT and Sea of Thieves video uh, <laughs> just so I could uh, fake urinate on it and, and smash no. it. And, and, you know, and I had to buy this. I, I like rigged up this uh, like urination thing so it would look like I'm actually peeing on it. And that costs money. And and I just <laughs> all this all this effort and all this money and then YouTube just was like, oh, we don't want people to see this. <laughs> well, at least you sound like you had a lot of fun with it. Oh, it was fun. <laughs> I I I mean, it, it took me back to my days of guerrilla TV making, you know, in college, and um, uh, it, it's it's invigorating, you know. It it is um, especially when you're not just sitting in the chair editing uh game footage when you can actually go out and film something that's always fun mm -hmm. yeah i can only imagine what that feels like <laughs> i am an auteur malik <laughs> all right so this episode just like the last episode was actually recommended or or requested by a member of our community in this case it was dk vine patron Cotbox. k-o-t space box uh they yeah they, they, they requested uh as season 10 was just getting off the ground after i announced it it was like hey i would love to see some sort of character witness type episode about the jinjos and you know i i've been thinking there needed to be a, a an equivalent of character witness for like a, a species Right, like, it, it, across the Donkey Kong universe, we have several mm -hmm. fictional species, magical creatures, and and what have you. And I was like, you know, we, we should have a equivalent to character witness for those. And uh, on the Facebook page, for several years, I ran a feature called the Bestiary, uh, which is a really <laughs> labored pun. And people didn't understand it. 
especially if I England thought it was always pronounced. I, th- I thought it was pronounced bestiary. I mean, bestiary. It, uh, uh, yeah, a bestiary is you know like uh, a collection of like fabled creatures and stuff. So bestiary, uh, of course, is is that for the DKU. Uh, it doesn't make any sense if English is not your first language, and even then, <laughs> it, it barely holds together. But, uh, yes. yeah, so I was like, that would be just like Destination Donkey Kong Universe, which we need to do more of, uh, was a Facebook feature, but, uh, and we brought it into the conversation. So, too, can we bring this into the conversation and celebrate just these deep dives on the fictional creatures and you know maybe sometime we'll dive into some of the real creatures that are kind of fictionalized in the donkey kong universe and Copbox recommended jinjos and i was like yeah i want to talk about jinjos i would love to talk about jinjos and i was like i bet malik would like to talk about jinjos too <laughs> let me let me ring up malik and see if malik's free you were right. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, so I'm up for whatever. But yeah, Jinjos, any day of the week. We did get some calls for this episode. And if you would like to call in to the DK Vine hotline, you can dial 1-202-630-VINE. That's 8463. And we usually you know, announce the episodes a day or so before we actually record. So if you're plugged into our Patreon, if you're plugged into social media... Follow DK Vine on Twitter or Facebook. You will see uh, the episode announce announcement, and then you can call in, leave a message with your thoughts, and you can kind of steer us to where you would like to hear us you know, ruminate on and, and discuss. And we got some of those calls. Actually, the first one isn't a call so much. It's a message that was sent over Patreon. So this is from DJ Cat. And DJ Cat says, oh, hey, I tried to call in but couldn't get through. So here is my message. I'm not sure. I, I think <laughs> DJ Cat's in Australia, so I don't know if there was some sort of uh, international hang up there with the hotline. But sometimes there's blips, you know, with, 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 if you can't yeah. get through, I am perfectly fine if you you know drop a message to me somehow and I, I will usually read it. So here we go. Hi, conversation. So today we are talking about Jinjos. I've always loved the Jinjos for being actual characters and not just another object to collect. The kind of thing Rare would do often is find a way to put character into what would otherwise feel like just another thing to collect. Instead of collecting, you are actually saving the Jinjos, so it feels more important. Another thing I like is that in Banjo-Kazooie, they remind me of two other great things from the 90s. Power Rangers, and Captain Planet. They have five individuals of different colors who, when their powers are combined, can bring something more potent than the five of them individually. I remember when I first beat Banjo-Kazooie in 1998, and 10-year-old me thought the Ginginator was possibly the coolest thing ever. That boss battle is quite difficult, but damn getting to see the Ginginator is such a good reward. Another great thing is how they kept getting more interesting in subsequent games, like learning of their village, just the other side of the mountain, and how they live in houses and are also not immune to death, as seen by the digger tracks that go right through one poor family's house. And then they get even more interesting with the backstory in Granny's Revenge. 
Anyway, the Jinchos have always been fascinating and are still a source of intrigue, and I can't wait to find out more about them again one day. And hopefully you'll find out more about them on this episode, because hopefully we'll turn over some rocks that they've been hiding under. Hopefully we'll... <laughs> or have been crushed under. Yes. Uh, ho- hopefully <laughs> we'll uh, we'll stumble upon some errant bit of Jinjo lore that you haven't considered. Because, you know, the, the Jinjos are... Uh, they, they, they've got a deep history, deeper than one might think. And unless you've actually played every single appearance of, of the Jinjos, you will have missed something. And some of it is quite subtle, Malik. So I feel confident we are going to not have the last word on the Jinjos, but I, I think we're, we're going to satisfy every Jinjo itch someone might want to scratch. Yeah, well, I don't know everything about the Jinjo, so this should be interesting for me, too. You know, honestly, when I was uh, getting this episode ready to go, uh, I I was relearning things that I'd forgotten about or just kind of glossed over. And I was like, huh, well, okay, then uh, that's that's good to know. I, you know, I, fe- I feel more uh, simpatico with the Jinjos now than I have in a long, long time, which is good because we have more Jinjo merchandise than ever before. We have those fan gamer plushes. Uh, you, you can get the five original colors from Banjo-Kazooie. You've got the U2s figures, which, um, they, they come in randomized colors across the spectrum from Kazooie and Tui, I believe. And you can even have the Jinjinator as a plush. So it's... it stares at you while you sleep. Yeah, no, you can turn on its eyes and it glows. Oh and... God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Who I let the okay. What? What? One night, I like turned on the eyes for a social media post, and I forgot about <laughs> it. And I went to bed, and then I came into my uh, DK Vine office the next morning, and it was dark inside, <laughs> and. The piercing red eyes were still like shining through the office, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's a chupacabra!" <laughs> what? Uh, I mean, all all my goats did get sucked, so <laughs> whatever. K Rico. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> thank- oh, I just remembered. <laughs> I'm, so- I'm sorry it took so long to remember. <laughs> All right, why don't we go ahead and play the first call? Uh, not counting DJ Cat's uh, attempted call that was transcribed. And uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see what rocks uh, we find the Jinjos buried under. Let's see. Hi, this is Grisket, a uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I just wanted to call to give my two cents about Jinjos. Um, I, I love them. They're delightful. They're cute. They're adorable. Uh, they're just just mysterious enough to uh, to pique the curiosity. You know, as a kid, I always sort of wondered, oh, what's the deal with them? And then Banjo-Tooie, you know, elucidated that a little bit. But there's always the question of, oh, what's the deal with the Ginginator? What's the deal with et cetera, et cetera? And um, perhaps an unpopular opinion, I've always been a big fan of their, their redesign in Nuts and Bolts. Um, it's, it's nowhere near as drastic as many of the redesigns from the uh, from Nuts and Bolts. It's similar to the original, and it's very evocative of the, the chunky 64-bit model, which is neat. Uh, but it's just cute. It, it exaggerates the features nicely. It's just a, it's just a neat little, little cute little redesign. Um, I, and I apologize for the tangent. I also wanted to call. I wanted to, uh, just in regards to something that was said in the previous episode, the, uh, the women of DKU, 
someone mentioned that they, they hoped that if, you know, if indeed the Kremlings ever return in a big way, it'd be nice to see them treated with a similar approach that the uh, Paper Mario games treat the enemies insofar as they're not inherently loyal to K. Rule just because they're that species. And it'd be neat to see some that are, you know, neutral who or you know, who are allied with the Kongs. And I agree. That would be fantastic. I'd love to see that. Uh, I just wanted to uh, wanted to call in to note that an interesting tidbit about the recent Paper Mario's is that that has actually been stricken from the continuity. Uh, the current game's approach is that if you are a Koopa, if you are a Goomba, you are a Bowser minion, which is unfortunate. I, I much prefer the way the uh, the previous games tackled that, but unfortunately, a lot of the uh, a lot of the world building, a lot of the characters from the first few entries have been stricken from canon, which. Is a dead horse that's been beaten ad nauseum. I'm aware Paper Mario fans love to uh, love to to whinge about that, but hey, it's an interesting point of comparison, I suppose, between Paper Mario and Donkey Kong Country. You know, they they both have uh, recent games that, for largely arbitrary reasons, just aren't allowed to reference stuff from the uh, the first few. I just you know wanted to call to see if you know to, to I guess point out that interesting point of uh, contention between the two. See if you all had any thoughts on it. Uh, thanks. You know, you all have a nice podcast. Uh, keep it up. Well, hey, thank you for the call. It's always great to hear a first-time caller. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, brought up a lot of the, I think, angst that uh, Mario, specifically Paper Mario fans, feel with uh, yeah. sort of like the sterilization of the the series, the the... It's kind of had a personality ectomy <laughs> a little bit, and this is this is what I hear from secondhand because obviously I am not that knowledgeable when it comes to it. But I I hear the complaints like, "Wow, you you've just reduced all these characters to just drones. You know, they're they're not like the individual personalities they used to be," which has kind of plagued the Mario series broadly. Uh, since around the time of, I guess, the new Super Mario Brothers game started, like, oh, toads. They're just toads. Toads. Toads are a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting that it brought this up on the episode we're discussing Jinjos, because with the exception of maybe Banjo Pilot, uh, the Jinjos have been shown to have individual personalities. Uh, and, and beyond just characters like King Jingling, you know, I, I'm thinking about like the the Jinjos in Nuts and Bolts, where they they have personalities and they talk to you and individual identities, even though they're just Jinjos, you know? Um mm-hmm. it's it's something that I feel like Rare has always done well, especially compared to Nintendo, and Nintendo's actually regressed in many ways and gotten worse about it <laughs> in uh the last decade, decade and a half. But yeah, they, they keep finding new ways to be more boring. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like they're so hung up on the iconography of what Mario is supposed to be, that they're afraid to make it interesting. You know, Um, like someone tries to branch out and someone higher up is like, uh, uh, you're not doing that. No, toad is toad. That's it. (laughs) His name is not, Timothy, it's just Toad. They're <laughs> yeah. all Toad. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, no, Mushroom reta- Retainers, Mushroom People, no, they're all Toads. Well, what about Toadsworth? Mushroom Doesn't exist. Retainers. Doesn't exist, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something that, like, the, the Donkey Kong series 
has sort of narrowly avoided um, even post rare, but we it, it's you know it's still like pulling teeth sometimes to like oh we would love to see more of the individual characters in the games and you know there there is this kind of rote sort of well they, you don't need all these characters in here so let's just distill it down to the core essentials uh <laughs> the bear so, necessities but not even the bear necessities because exactly I not, not I, even the bears i've not bears. seen any of the 14 brothers bears since the <laughs> game boy advance remake of donk on country 3 they could have Poor even choice been, of words yeah they could have been smash spirits malik i know we got four we got like how many in smash brothers and not one was a bear yeah, and, and I'm sorry, but you need all these variants in Mario Kart Tour. Brash Bear loves uh, the race. Yes. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I, I want to see Brash Bear behind the wheel and see how angry he gets when someone passes him. <laughs> so even though I'm not you know, extremely well-versed in the Paper Mario series, I do feel the mm-hmm. pain of the Paper Mario fans. Yes, I do too. I just recently finished the first Paper Mario, and I'm like, man, whenever I get to the more recent Paper Marios, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one reason why you know I remained a fan of Rare all these years, and why I'm a fan of Platonic. You know, because they do seem to value character, uh, and they realize that fans love characters, and and it's just weird that Nintendo has these hangups. There's there there is like sometimes you can break through to Nintendo and and somebody in Nintendo will realize oh like K rule like oh oh people yeah. like people like K rule oh, go go figure Who all right thought? yeah <laughs> uh, but you know that that almost seems like a once in a lifetime event you know where where they as a promotional gimmick open up this character ballot and then you have this massive worldwide fan campaign. And we somehow eke through. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. never going to happen again for somebody like uh, Toadsworth. Otto the or... Orange. Well, well, I mean, uh, I would... <laughs> okay, no, I didn't mean Otto the Orange. That was just the first guy that came to mind. Yeah, I would but... hope Rare would know how beloved Otto the Orange is. and if I think they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you for the call. All right, we, we have another one to take. And then we can really dive headfirst into all things Jinjo. Hey, DK Vine Hotline. It's Ray Day Pinball calling in about the Jinjo episode. I was just wondering, what are your takes on uh, King Jingling actually being a, um, I, I guess, in, uh, a, a gambler, a gambling addict who uh, basically is so addicted to gambling that he has to do uh, dubious things in order to pay off his debts and and is basically just that's all he is and he's kind of a kind of a fraud. I, I can't remember the exact YouTube video I saw that uh, went in depth on this, but there was like a it was a it was a very detailed YouTube video and, and uh, shed some light on the subject. Um so yeah I'm curious, you know, he runs that bingo hall and nuts and bolts. Uh, and he, uh, you know, he seems more worried about the kickball game happening than, uh, you know, all of his Jinjos being gone and Isle of the Hag's about to be blown up. So I, I think there might be some truth to that. Um, he also seems to, you know, know a lot of dirt on people, uh, at least according to the uh, the zombie when he starts talking. So what, what what's the darker side of jingling, you know? I'm, I'm wondering what, what lies beneath the surface there. Anyway. Glad you're doing some more banjo content. Look forward to the episode. 
Thank you for the call, Ray Day. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, try to try to work in banjo content. Try, try to uh, tick all the boxes across a conversation season if I can. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we we get hung up on certain topics. Uh, you know, like Saber Wolf. You know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, we try try to always bring it back around to so everyone gets their due over time. Uh, whether you're a, a Donkey Kong fan, a Banjo fan, a Dinosaur Planet fan, a Mr. Pants fan. You know, we, we, we try to get you covered as best we can. Um, yeah, jingling. I, I, so we're, we're, I'll be getting into jingling, obviously, <laughs> in just a bit here. But I think that most rare characters are, are never presented as infallible, right? There, there's always this kind of dubious nature to them where they they always have this side hustle going on or they always seem to have some ulterior motives they they never seem to be fully in control of their own life (laughs) um and yeah you know jingling he is not a perfect king by any means i think well i well like i said i I don't want to get ahead of myself here because i will be getting into jingling but as far as like the bingo hall goes, you know, I I don't know if we can really like put it at Jing Ling's feet because I think anything that happens in Showdown Town, you have to kind of point to the Lord of Games log and and say like, okay, but he's probably responsible for pulling in Jing Ling here and and like um, I I don't I don't know if he would have told him, hey, I want you to put this Jinjo Bingo Hall in Showdown Town, but it's like, hey, do something. And and that was Jingling's idea. Um I mean I mean so much of nuts and bolts is like, okay, but it's really logs machinations and also then within the worlds you, they're all playing parts. So it, it there there's kind of this level of artifice and forced servitude throughout nuts and bolts that I, I wouldn't really shame Jingling for that. Now, Grant, he is more worried about the kickball game in Banjo-Tooie than he is actually getting the Jinjos back just so they can be safe. <laughs> he knew he knew that Banjo and Kazooie were going to try their best, and, I mean, they did it, right? Yeah, but, he had nothing to worry about. Yeah, I, I guess. He doesn't seem that broken up about the Grey Jinjo family, but... <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. That could have some horrible implications why don't we just uh, get it yeah i I feel like there's really no way to really get into ray day's points without just diving into everything concerning the gingers so here we go jinjo uh yeah so (laughs) i can't go too high or i'll peek the mic yeah i know it's a problem people don't realize that they don't work with the microphones often that it's so fragile yeah and so, sometimes when I'm editing these, I'll see like, oh, I peaked it right there. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> and at least I have this filter. Like in the early seasons, I will I'll always pop my peas. Uh, and mm-hmm. and now I have the filter, so I don't do that. But I still peak because my voice, sometimes I just scream. And you it, do okay. It, it, it It's pretty smooth sailing from a listener perspective, I think. Well, that that's... As long as you don't have the volume 100%. Yeah. Yeah, no, never listen to the conversation at maximum volume. I should put a warning at the <laughs> beginning of every episode. Like if you if you're listening, I would recommend maybe halfway um or less depending on the circumstances. <laughs> um 
yeah, you'll blow out your eardrums for sure. Yes. Uh, so anyway, before we get into the in-universe uh, history and lore of the Jinjos, it, I think it's worth pointing out some of the behind-the-scenes factoids when it comes to their origins. So some of this is, is well-known if you're a hardcore banjo nerd, but it, chances are if, if you're not like – if you haven't watched the Rare Replay documentaries, if you don't follow the creators on Twitter, you may not know this. Uh, so the name Jinjo is a play. It's just so so much of Rare behind the scenes from this era. It's just <laughs> mean meanness and name like calling name calling. Yeah, it's like <laughs> all these character names in Banjo Kazooie are just insults hurled at each other. Like the the staff were hurling at each other. Uh, in the case of Jinjo, it, it's a play on the term ginger, uh, and was what Grant Kirkhope called Ed Bryan during the development <laughs> of the game. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you you can see it if you ever heard Grant talk. At, you know, you, you can definitely see him just, like, pulling out these terms, like, oh, Jinjo, sure. Uh, but it, it <laughs> stuck. I guess they uh, rearranged the spelling, and that's what they called these creatures, you know, I've, I've gone on about how it's it's remarkable when you look at the conceptualization of the ukulele characters and elements and how they all thematically fit with this, like, literary theme, aside from the mm-hmm. name ukulele, which is, you know, just riffing on Banjo-Kazooie. But, um, you know, we have, like, the Ghost Riders being the Jinjo equivalent in ukulele and... You know, which makes sense because you have the grand tomes, the pages, the quills, and Banjo Kazooie. Uh, almost twenty years earlier, they were just like, "Oh, Grant's calling Ed this hurtful term. Let's use that." <laughs> oh, this guy's middle. This guy's middle name is Royston. This is a real. Do you know the story of Royston's name? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm vaguely familiar, but I could always do with a refresher. Uh, Greg Mayle said, like, uh, the name Royston came, it was like, it was the middle name of one of the people on the team. We couldn't believe that he had a middle name like that, so we had to put it in the game. (laughs) What the hell? Right. Uh, You know, Lord Wu, Fak Fak, and, um... Chimpy is apparently a nickname that Grant was called. Because he looks like a chimp, yeah. (laughs) I guess. Like, what the... Yeah, I brought that up on Twitter once, and I was like, hey... You know, Chimpy's a monkey. He's not a chimp. Not even like not not even <laughs> close. Like they're they're primates, yes, but they're they're not like a monkey is not an ape. Uh, yeah, you know. And I was like, uh, I I was like just gently like poking fun at the creators, and I was just like, explain yourself. And and they like very straight faced were like, it, it was Grant's nickname. I was like, yes, but you applied it to a monkey. You should have made him a chimp. But you, you just, I guess, I guess, you know, you're on a time crunch and you just tweak the Diddy Kong model and, and there you go. <laughs> Get rid of the hat. Slender him down a little bit. Make his eyes green instead of blue. Boom. You're done. There you go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, also Ed Bryan, uh, I guess he was going for a bird-like appearance for the Jinjos, but according to him, he can't draw birds. So uh, <laughs> that's why they came can't. off as like anteater-like creatures. They look more like Muppets to me. They look like lots of things to me, Malik. And I don't know how familiar you are with this uh, 
So there is a 1983, I would say cult classic, but it's not even that. It's a piece of trash film <laughs> called Pod People. And the only reason anybody knows this film was that it was, I think, during the third season of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It was one of the episodes that they watched. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the first episodes released on home media. They did a VHS release of it, and then it came back around on DVD. So a lot of people saw this. And um, so it's it was the first time I'm seeing it. Yeah, it was very popular in like the stoner college dorms of the 90s. And uh, anyway, in the movie Pod People, there is this little alien creature who is nicknamed Trumpy. Trumpy. Oh, nice. And Trumpy, to me, looks almost like exactly like you would imagine a ginger would look in live action. If you just like, if you shaved Trumpy down a bit, like, like made his fur shorter. And... um, we got the long snout, this like vaguely mammalian kind of appearance, but this this weird alien like quality to it. I I I think that's what a Jinjo would look like. Trumpy. I don't. <laughs> oh really? I don't. I don't see it. <laughs> okay. It's like about... an aardvark. Okay. Well, how about this? Why don't you Google Trumpy? Actually, Google Trumpy <laughs> Pie people, or else uh, pictures of the forty fifth yeah. president will come up and. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me if you think that could plausibly look like a Jinjo. Like I, I'm thinking, like the early Jinjo renders, not like nuts and bolts era Jinjos. I'm I'm getting some weird results right now. <laughs> still, still relate to the president. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the the fam- <laughs> the famous quote the famous quote that was uh, commented on by Croti Robot in that episode was. Trumpy, you can do stupid things. And so <laughs> I always think of Trumpy when I think of uh, Jinjos. Anyway. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, wh- whatever Jinjos are supposed to be, they are like a wholly unique creation of Banjo-Kazooie. Because, you know, Kremlins are essentially just reptilian, crocodilian humanoids, which, you know, are rampant in mythology and legend and you know uh, globos uh, another fictional banjo species they're essentially furbies and yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> but jinjos are I, I i think like you you see like a plush toy of a jinjo and you're like hey that's a jinjo uh, there wouldn't be any question about it. So hey, it's the pod people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, Trumpy. <laughs> oh my God, someone made one. <laughs> yeah, they're they're vaguely magical. So Trumpy, you can do stupid things. Well, these are the stupid things Jinjos can do because they they are like this magical species. That, uh, but what kind of magic they employ? I feel like it's entirely left to plot device, and it, it's, yeah. the rules have never been established. This is what Jinjos do. It's more like, we're going to have Jinjos do this in this game, and yeah, you just didn't know Jinjos could do it until this point. And you're like, yeah, makes sense to me. Like, they've kept it purposely vague, <laughs> so I feel like Jinjos are one of the more elastic DKU species. Because again, going back to Kremlins, if a Kremlin suddenly like took off its head... 
and said, you know, like, <laughs> and like kicked its head, but the head was still talking. And it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm headless cadaver, the new Kremlin. This is what we do. We, we just. <laughs> cadaver. That's great. I like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with a K. With a K. Yeah. But uh, you'd be like, that, that feels stupid. A Kremlin shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> If a Jinjo took off its head and was like, woo, then you'd be like, ooh, that's weird, but I'll accept it because, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be willing to accept that. Nobody <laughs> ever like, told. Oh, my God. <laughs> nobody ever told me a Jinjo couldn't take off its head and spook you <laughs> out. Like, it... <laughs> Because, like, no, let, no. like, like, like <laughs> let's look, like, so in Banjo-Kazooie, they have the fl- power of flight, right? Yes. A- and teleportation, they because they, when you uh, rescue them, when they're not, when you free them from the binding of Gruntilda's magical spell that kind of keeps them in place, because they're saying, help, help, and you go over and you rescue them, and then they can suddenly fly around, and then they, like, they disappear, so they can teleport. Um, and in Banjo-Tooie, in fact, they, they just straight up teleport back into their homes when you rescue them. So we know they can teleport. We know they can fly. Uh, they seem to be able to produce little electrical sparks from their bodies, like little, uh, sparky-doos. Little pixie dust. Yeah, uh, and, and we see this also with the villainous Minjos, which are closely re- related if not almost exactly the same species as Jinjos, um, Minjos will shock you if, if you, yes, you let them get too close. And I, I imagine Jinjos can shock you as well. And some of that uh, pixie dust, as you said, is just the electrical energy that their body exudes. So uh, we've never seen them shock you, really, because, you know, why would they? They're friendly creatures. Mm-hmm. But they could. Yeah, they totally could. And then in nuts and they bolts, did the yeah, it's true. In nuts and bolts, uh, they can inflate their bodies just like a balloon. But <laughs> you know, they, they they can blow themselves up and and float around. Uh, and that was weird at first. I was like, ugh, what? I'm looking at an image right now. It's 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 kind of terrifying. <laughs> uh, you get used to it, and you know. If they can fly, it makes sense that they can um, do other things in the air, right? Like become balloons, mm-hmm. like 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 they 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 like bounce around, and you can push them around with your uh, cars and nuts and bolts, and uh, they're they're just big balls. And I I guess it's some sort of like defensive thing in nature, like you know how some species will play dead or retreat into their shell. Jinjos can do that and and uh, become more impervious to harm if if push comes to shove if they can't get away if they can... now granted if you can teleport and fly why is nature bestowed this third ability to you for uh, it should be enough luck of the draw yeah I guess <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not asking how they evolved because I don't know but they they uh. They certainly like. I wish I could fly. I don't. I don't wish I could blow myself up like a balloon. That's a bit much. But yeah, I wish I could fly and teleport. I'll take those two. Yeah, me too. Make make working like so much easier. I could go wherever I want. 
Yeah, I don't now, have to worry about stuff. I, I do think like, oh, I wish I could fly like Superman or I wish I could fly like a yellow Jinjo. But then I think, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the Air Force would just shoot me down. Yes. Yes, they would. I'd, I'd just be fine with teleporting, honestly. <laughs> I like how you thought about this, Malik. Like, oh, I've seen so many cartoons where they're like, you're in an, un- you're in an unwarranted flying zone. You better land or we're going to shoot you down. <laughs> you have no idea. Like Superman can get away with it because, you know, they can shoot him all, all they want and it doesn't hurt him but uh, yeah like i i was like okay if i if i could fly i would also want to be invisible but then you get hit by stuff well you watch out for stuff like you don't get yourself in a position <laughs> where you're hit by stuff if you can fly well, geese why well, don't like, want geese just to... a goose could <laughs> yeah so like speaking of <laughs> speaking of birds uh speaking of of what ed Bryan was originally going for and geese speaking of what he can't draw right apparently i've got uh <laughs> my front door right now uh there's a wreath and a bird being spring uh a bird built a nest in it and oh, wow. they, they've laid eggs in it and now i have a bird family living on my door so i can't use my door or else i'll scare them so mm-hmm. I, I have to, like, go in through the back door, and I, I just say this because my life is just ever more complicated. And, and, and now, <laughs> now, like, all of a sudden I'm worried about this bird family that's living on my door. And how did I get here, Malik? Like, Do you know what species they are? They're not Jinjos. I've checked. <laughs> well, we well of course. But we, we, <laughs> I always check to see if they're Jinjos first and foremost. I don't know how to follow up from that, but I I hope those birds leave you alone soon, Heil. No, I I I want them to have a happy life, and if I can provide that for them, I'm willing to take the hit. I'll crawl through my window if I have to. Well, crawl through the window for the not Jinjo. Yeah, I'm I'll... sorry. I'm I'm trying to be spontaneous with the rhyming and the improvisation. <laughs> it's kind of fifty fifty with me. <laughs> well, let's let's get into the actual in universe history. So I was thinking, like, how are we going to break this down? Are we going to go in chronological order, like start in 1978 and oh, God. Uh, with Grunny's Revenge, <laughs> or are we just going to do it by release? And I was like, let's do it by release. Let's lay out the history as we first learned it. Like, like, yes, from 1998, from the release of Banjo-Kazooie. And, you know, Jinjo's, obviously what comes to mind is that Banjo-Kazooie VHS that Nintendo Power and Toys R Us mailed out with John Lovitz as the narrator. And, mm-hmm. you know, because he refers to Jinjo's as cute little whatevers. And that just stuck with me. Um, that that just description, like John Lovitz doesn't know what they are, so he's just going to call Maybe them he does. whatever. So, well, no, I I don't know if the knowledge of that Banjo Kazooie VHS narration that he was paid handsomely for has stayed <laughs> within John Lovitz's brain. Like I don't know if he's just ever like sitting in his uh, big comfy chair with a glass of cognac cognac in, in his hand you know sipping it in his bathrobe and he he's like <laughs> what are jinjos what are jinjos what like, are these things <laughs> i don't i don't think he's he's ruminating on it quite like we are but uh, yeah. we don't know 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. In, in my perfect world, yes, he's constantly haunted <laughs> by by those twelve <laughs> minutes he spent recording that. And you know, um, but but cute little whatevers like that just perfectly sums it up. Because yeah, what are they? They are just they're just Jinjos. They're they're fictional species, but. Uh, Banjo-Kazooie is their most iconic appearance, and of course in that game they appeared in simply five different colors. Uh, one of each color in every world. You had blue, green, orange, purple, and yellow. That's alphabetical, too. That's how uh, OCD <laughs> I am. I had to alphabetize the colors. Wait, didn't yell? Oh, never mind. Right, right, right. Why is the last one? Why? Sorry, I'm yes. thinking of the rain. I'm thinking of the rainbow. Roy G. Biv. Yeah. Well, I was like, wait, no, yellow. Why? Yellow would come first, right? Did you know that Roy G. Biv was the middle name of someone who worked on Banjo Kazooie, and they give him so much shit for it. <laughs> We're just waiting till Everwild comes out. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the little <laughs> salamander creatures, the salamander babies. It's just, oh, that's Roy G. Biv. That one right there. <laughs> <laughs> Can't so, wait. So in Banjo Kazooie, it's said that Gruntilda wanted to punish the Jinjos because of their happy, <laughs> carefree nature or something like that. And and so she punished them by like magically binding them to a specific spot in every world and they couldn't move. You know, they they, they <laughs> could they could wave around their arms and they could they could talk, they could say help, but that's all they could do. They they couldn't walk. I guess they could breathe. They could probably, you know, soil themselves a little bit. Um, I suppose so. Yeah, but they couldn't. They wouldn't be able to eat unless like a bug flew in their mouth or like a, a somebody like broke off pieces of bread and like threw it at them. Yeah, yeah. They're like confined to a little corner. There's like invisible walls or something. But considering you know the the length of Banjo Kazooie, I don't think it's supposed to be much longer than a day. Uh, according to 2D's dialogue near the end. So I, I don't think, like, they were ever at risk for starving to death. No. No, but, I mean, it's interesting. Like, what would they have done? What would they have done? Could, would a Jinjo, like, eat its own arm to survive? I always, you know, I thought maybe Jinjos w are the kind of creatures that don't really need to eat if they don't have to, but they will, like, out of pleasure, you know? <laughs> so, wait, 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 wait. So they don't need sustenance. They just have this limitless reserve of energy. Because according to the manual profile, which I'm reading on the Jiggy Wiki, the Banjo-Kazooie Wiki, or the Jiggy Wiki, they're spirited creatures. So maybe, yeah, maybe they don't really need to eat unless they want to, you know? Maybe they absorb nutrients through their skin. They like filter feed or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe photosynthesis. I mean, Junjos can be whatever we want them to be, right? Like, like yeah. you, you, like we were just saying, you can invent a new attribute for Junjos in the next Banjo game, and we'll all just be like, "Huh, I guess so." So, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, so we don't know their dietary habits really. Like, they might eat for pleasure, but maybe, you're, maybe you're right. Maybe they get their nutrients elsewhere. So, yeah, uh, I feel like King Jingling would eat for pleasure, but you know, like eat some chips, like watching the oh, kickball some pizza. game. But... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, get some McJiggies for sure. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the the Jinjos were pr like they they were just basically collectibles. I mean, they're they're always basically collectibles. Maybe not so much in nuts and bolts, but 
um, they, they were just more like drones in that game, um, where, you know, you just, the, the five colors in each world, you collect them, you get a jiggy, um, it, or you get an extra life if you collect them again. If you go back into the world and collect them for a second time, I think you get an extra life. But um, that that's all they do. It isn't until the end of the game, right, that Jinjo's mm-hmm. really, you really get the first hint that there's more to Jinjo's than being just this uh, ambling creature species that exist within spiral mountain and gruntilda's lair where you meet the mighty ginginator i i just like to call him the ginginator i don't like to call him the i feel like mighty is a descript descriptive term and it isn't Mm -hmm. actually part of his name i feel like we get too literal sometimes with well the game called him the mighty ginginator so we must always call him the mighty ginginator i'm like well no like yeah, he, I feel it's redundant, just yeah, a little redundant. Yeah, it, it's like um, how clinical people get with the Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze bosses, where they they have these like <laughs> long descript, descriptive like sentences about them, and like that that's included in the trophy or, or the little figurine you get from Funky, and so like the the wikis are always like. <laughs> Pompey the presumptuous or whatever and I'm just like I, I always kind of I th- yeah that's weird because I always kind of like to refer them by their full names honestly oh really okay but, well yeah I, I, I don't know I feel like it's a des- descriptive thing and it's like it, it, it's like um Vladimir the terrible right like it's 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 like yeah but it, that's not the terrible isn't really his name he just is terrible Yes. Right. So, sorry, didn't mean to get political. Uh, oh, wait, that was a... Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, isn't it Ivan the Terrible? Oh, wait, never mind. No, okay. no, no. I, I, was, I was being more contemporary there. Yeah. Remember in 2016 <laughs> when uh, he, he personally ordered DK Vine taken down? Ah, <laughs> oh, that was a fun time. Oh, the laughs we had. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the mighty Ginginator. He, uh, it, it's weird that the very first individualistic Jinjo we meet is a riff on the Terminator. Like, like <laughs> it feels very much of the 90s, right? To, to have, like, this parody character uh, before that was kind of wrote, before it was kind of played out. Like, like yeah. I, re- I remember, uh, do you remember the Clay Fighter games? Yes, I do. Yeah, the the second clay fighter was called C two Judgment Clay, and it it had a Terminator parody that was like the Energizer Bunny, but uh, the Terminator. Um, and I don't know much about Paper Mario, but I remember C two Judgment Clay. And, um, <laughs> God, this is why when I'm at my uh, lowest points, I'm like, wow, people really do hate me, right? How could they not? <laughs> <laughs> no but um yeah i i feel like the ginginator like i don't know it, it it feels more of conquer than it does of banjo right to have like that sort of just one-to-one movie parody and he's not really like a terminator parody in that he doesn't speak in a thick austrian accent um he doesn't yeah. do the hasta la vista baby kind of like that's more like the Haybot in conquer than it is uh yeah uh, anything the ginginator does but the ginginator like 
when we met him, he was the only individualistic Jinjo, and he was the most powerful Jinjo, right? So I, I viewed him in the context of 1998. He is the leader of the Jinjos. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there's nothing in the game to contradict that because, let's be honest, Rare hadn't figured out the complete lore of the Jinjos yet. They, 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 Rare has always done a good job of adding things to the lore later on that always feel like they could have plausibly been part of that design from the beginning, but they didn't, they, they probably didn't have any idea. Like Crocodile Isle, uh, being the homeland of the Kremlings. I'm sure when they were making Donkey Kong Country in 1994, they weren't thinking like, oh, the Kremlins are from this neighboring island called Crocodile Isle. Uh, you know, it was just like, no, we're, we're not going to think about that. But when it came time to break down the sequels, like, well, what if the Kremlins actually lived over here? And what if we visit their home? I and gra- destroy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what if it's this really cool location and then we blow it up so we can never revisit it? <laughs> <laughs> But but it I mean honestly it was the best ending ever so like you know yeah yeah it was yeah you're never gonna top that ending uh so anyway I I who who knows you know how much of the Jinjo lore was percolating as even as just like a what if a maybe in their minds at this time but yeah I felt like the Jinjinator was the leader of the bunch and also special shout out to Jeffrey Perez uh fellow esteemed member of the rare fan community and the number one Jinjinator fan. Just, just wanted to give a shout out to him because if I can't mention Jinjinator without mentioning Jeff. So, yes. uh, the, Jinjinator, he's in a statue, which is interesting. Um, he, he's like sealed within this, uh, stone shell of himself on the top of Gruntilda's lair. And, you know, I, I didn't think much about it. Like, what is this doing here? Who brought this statue here? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What's so funny? What's so funny? I, I don't know. It's like, why 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 is this on Grunty's castle? Why is this here? It's, it's just so... She, does she think that nobody is ever going to come up and uh, use this thing against her? Is well, she that confident? So, we're going to... Like, the perils of doing this chronologically, sometimes we're going to have to table... A discussion and come back to it because <laughs> I feel like uh, with the Jinjinator, we know more later on that would help retroactively explain what the Jinjinator is doing there. So Banjo Kazooie doesn't provide any context with what the Jinjinator right. is, but damn if I didn't love the Jinjinator. Oh my god, just like having mm-hmm. Gruntilda gored by this giant Jinjo. I, 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 you know, say that thematically Banjo-Kazooie doesn't hold together as well as maybe Ukulele does just because of all the divergent ideas that are just kind of coexisting. But I do like that the Jinjos are what ultimately defeat Gruntilda with Banjo-Kazooie's push. But yeah, it feels right. Like, these are the creatures that Gruntilda was terrorizing and torturing and enslaving all game long and and they get the last word they're like nope and it's like you thought you had us no and they really like do cause gruntilda's downfall because that is the last time she really fully resides in her lair she's she's in the ground for two years she 
leaves Spiral Mountain kind of after that. She'll, she comes back from time to time. But, you know, that that is kind of like the end of Grunty's lair as the evil headquarters of Gruntilda. Because after that, it's taken over by Cheeto and, you know, maybe Bruntilda. You know, maybe Bruntilda. Like, we don't see Bruntilda after that. So maybe she just takes it over. I always like to imagine she's <laughs> just like... And, and like it's it's Gruntilda's credit cards are still attached to like the, the <laughs> premium cable, so she's just mooching off like her sister's finances for as long as she possibly can. Anyway, <laughs> I thought she was arrested by the rubbish video game police. Well, that's right? what, that's what, okay. That that's one of those scribe statements, right? <laughs> that like is like not really it's like not can't really sometimes be canon, canon. sometimes yeah. not just like bumpers in jail absolutely but absolutely that one i don't know yeah well because bumper being the one in jail is supported by the conquer interview like there's layers and layers upon bumper being in jail where brentona <laughs> was arrested by the rubbish video game police yeah I, no i like to imagine brentona's living living the high life she's she and cheeto are just laughing it up every night uh <laughs> over how they take it over the mountain of course maybe the jinjos some some jinjos at least have moved back in so let's get further into the history with what banjo tooie established so banjo tooie really expanded what we know of the jinjos this was my first introduction to the jinjos because i played tooie first so i, I yeah it was you, you've said was this before and i can't fathom how you could have played <laughs> Tui first. Like, it, it just, it seems so inconceivable to me that Tui in so many ways just feels like, it, and the continuation, like, and, and then this happens. And, and you know, with everything, with the story, with the worlds, with the moves, like, it's just picking right up sort of where Banjo-Kazooie left off. And so I I admire that you did it, like, and you enjoyed it. You know, and that it wasn't yeah. just this impenetrable slog. Well, I mean, the frame rate, the frame rate helped with that, but I still managed to get through. <laughs> wow, you sound like an IGN review that I was bitter about in 2000. <laughs> no, I'm like, okay, a quick thing about frame rate. I've always said that when frame rate slowdown happened in video games, I always thought it was cool because it was usually happening when frantic stuff happened, like oh, yeah. explosions everywhere. I yeah. used to think it was like an action movie and everything went slow-mo, like, oh, like you're jumping through <laughs> explosions yeah. and everything's chugging. But Tui, like, I still love Tui, and I, I just haven't gone back to it on the N64 version, but I feel like I want to give it another shot. But yeah, Tui... I loved Tui, and I managed to get through that game. It took months and months and months, but it felt so good by the end. But yeah. In <laughs> uh, the live stream, Cameron is saying he also played Tui first, which I there you go. I, I I remember that now, Cameron, because yeah, and and you you liked the van and Witchy World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, only I, reason I, I played uh, Tui first was because when I got my N sixty four from my friend, that was the only banjo game he had. So I was like, well. I guess I'll just play Tui first. <laughs> I wonder when, you know, when and if Tui uh, appears on Nintendo Switch Online. Here's hoping. But uh, I wonder if anybody will, like, eventually play Tui first. Like, that that will, like, provide the opportunity for a whole new generation to play them out of order. <laughs> <laughs> just like us. Because I think there's perks to that. Where it's like, wait. Oh, so, the, 
Like when you play a game series in the wrong order and then you go back to earlier games in the series and you see like story events, you're like, how did, oh, so that's how this happened. Oh, that's why Grunty is a skeleton. Or it's like, oh, this is why this is the way this is. Or this is what this character looked like two years ago. It's it's a weird kind of feeling that you only get from playing things in the wrong order. I can't do that. Like, if, if I don't play the first entry of a video game series, I just don't play it. Like, I'm just like, well, that's that that that's dead to me. That doesn't exist. I'll never get into that series. <laughs> Um, and that's partly because my OCD, especially when it comes to video games, uh, but with other stuff like, uh, movies and TV, I can generally just hop in like the MCU. Um, I got into it like really with like the third phase. And then I went back and watched the movies that weren't as good. And I was like, Oh, so that's, (laughs) that's what that's about. Okay. And I, I I quite enjoy that experience, but I can't do it with games. And I think because games for me are such a personal kind of experience, like I put so much of myself into them that mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me to jump into a universe mid-story, which is why like the DKU became like my bedrock because I got into Donkey Kong Country, really like the onset of Rare Shared Universe. I got into it the ground floor and I feel like I can just... Um, live in that world and it it, it I, I can't like <sighs> Kirby I can't get into Kirby like I played the first Kirby but then I didn't play like every like not the first Kirby the first NES Kirby I played the first NES Kirby uh when I was a kid because my friend had it and I played mm-hmm. it but like I missed most Kirby's <laughs> along the way so I'm just like oh there's a new Kirby game coming out well I can't play it <laughs> Well, there's not like an ongoing plot, but <laughs> no, because look, you know, you see how much nuance I squeeze out of the DKU, out of Donkey Kong, out of Banjo. You see, like I every little detail, every little drip and drab, I lap it up, Malik. And so I'm sure there's a plethora of stuff that my mind would catch with Kirby that I wouldn't be able to appreciate. And so you say, yeah, That's there's true. not there's not much story, but for me, there would be a mountain. There would be a mountain out of that molehill, so. Right. Yeah, yeah I get that. Where were we? We're uh, Banjo Tooie. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That's where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Banjo Tooie introduced like four to five more Jinjo color variations than we had seen in Banjo-Tooie. 45. <laughs> I'm joking. That's a stupid joke. <laughs> no, no, not 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 Trumpy. I'm talking about um the Jinjo colors in Banjo Tooie. So we got the No, I meant forty five colors. No, not... I, I know, I know. I was doing a, I was doing my own fun callback there, you see. <laughs> okay. Alright. So we're gonna gonna read these in uh the order from the largest so so okay. So first of all, let, let me explain. So they changed up how you collect the Jinjos in Banjo Tooie. So essentially, like they're they're operating the same. Like they're they're stationary. Banjo and Kazooie have to find them and touch them, and then they're freed. In this case, I don't think it's that Gruntilda magically bound them to a space. It's that when she and her sisters were rolling back through Jinjo Village. Uh, after leaving Spiral Mountain, in their digger module, 
uh, she she basically bulldozed through Jinjo Village or or Mingello or Blah Belda did whoever was actually driving the thing. Yeah, maybe they all were. <laughs> maybe they took turns, right? On a long long car trip, you know, it, it's just polite to take turns. Like I'll take this shift, you get some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> but um, they uh they they completely bulldozed one Jinjo house. They kind of nicked some others. They created this <laughs> big ruckus. Uh, oh. and it was, it was basically, and I, I don't want to be glib. All right. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to come off as downplaying or making light of real tragedies, but it was basically the nine 11 for Jinjos. Right. Like, I mean, it was this big tragedy that was traumatic for this, uh, fictional group of people. And, mm-hmm. and, um, I, they they ran away. They got scared. They were like, ah! And, and, and everybody, like, they scattered. The Jinjos living in Jinjo Village scattered across the Isle of Hags. So in the case of Banjo-Tooie, it's not so much that they are magically stuck to one location. It's that they are frozen in terror. And... <laughs> And it's only the gentle, uh, firm reassurance of Banjo, Banjo's hand. It's like putting his hand on their shoulder like, hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. That they were like, mm-hmm. you're right. It's going to be okay. I'm going to resume my life. Jinjo! And then they go back home. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of stupid and weird. But, you know, I, I like that it was varied. <laughs> I like that they made it a little bit different. So it just didn't feel like we're making the same game over again. Like, they, yeah. they, put, they put more thought into how they are going to integrate the Jinjos into the storyline. So, um... It was really sad, like, coming in as a person who just started with Tui. It's like, there's so much death going on. Banjo <laughs> <laughs> Tui is just complete carnage in the beginning of the game. Like, it... it uh... A beloved character from the first game dies. This character you just yep. meet gets turned into a zombie, and and this group of Jinjos who you've never even seen are are just dead off screen. Yep, like I read the little thing on the sign. I was like, "Oh my lord, that's terrible!" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the the way they are is actually it's actually randomized in your game file. Um, sort of like the Brintilda mm-hmm. clues were randomized, but. You don't know which colors of Jinjos you're going to collect uh, in in a world, but um, yeah, eventually you will find the the great the total number of a Jinjo family, which are the colors of Jinjos in the game. So black Jinjos make their debut. There are mm-hmm. nine of them, uh, the most in the game. Purple Jinjos are back. There are eight of them. Blue Jinjos are back. There's seven. Red Jinjos make their debut. There's six. Green Jinjos are back. Five. Brown Jinjos premiere for the first time. Oh, yeah. Brown Jinjos are here, everyone. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, oh, yeah. There's only Vibrant. F- there's only four of them, though. Yellow Jinjos, there are three. Orange Jinjos are two. And White Jinjos make their debut. There's only one White Jinjo. And and I don't know mm-hmm. if that was like, hey, Pokemon's really popular. Uh, Mew is the rarest Pokemon. Let's make. He's not white. 
Mew's off white. He's pinkish white. He's he's, he's pinkish white. Pinkish yeah. white. Okay. <laughs> well, the the white Jinjo's kind of pinkish. I don't know. He's Mew. All right. I'm just saying that somebody on the Banjo team was probably like, "Oh, Pokemon's more popular than our games now. <laughs> what the fuck do we do? What are these little bastards? How, what are we gonna do to get them back on board with Rare? It's like, well, what if we make <laughs> the rarest Jinjo kind of like Mew? Ah, do it. That's that's so my. If you find the white Mew, you get like fifty thousand dollars or something. <laughs> if they really want, if they really wanted to, like, like they tried to do stop and swap, and Nintendo was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. So <laughs> you know, are you mad? <laughs> but it's perfectly fine taking your Pokemon cartridge to the mall in a big city <laughs> and getting Mew uh, imprinted on your cartridge. Oh, that's fine, Nintendo, but yanking out your N64 cartridges and shoving in another one isn't okay from the safety no. of your own... You know what can happen in a mall, <laughs> Nintendo? You could get mugged. <laughs> you could get shot. You could get shot. You, you could get kidnapped if you're a child. Drown in the pool, in the fountain. Right, you gotta if put a... stupid... I'm going to go make a wish. I'm going to throw a, a little coin in there. Oh, no, I and drowned. A creature from a Black Lagoon pulls you in. All sorts of creatures from the Black Lagoon shop the mall. Of course. Because they don't have online uh, access being creatures from the Black Lagoon. They can't just go <laughs> do their shopping online like most people do these days. So they go to the mall. <laughs> think you think yeah. all, all, all sorts of cryptids would shop at the mall if you think about it. With the cryptid currencies and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, What's nin- the worst that can happen to your 64? It explodes? Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, you, <laughs> you, uh, you brick your N64, you just have to buy another one. Big At deal. the mall! <laughs> it all comes back to the mall. <laughs> I'm just saying. Nintendo was in the wrong to next stop and swap, but they were perfectly fine. <laughs> Endangering the lives of children! <laughs> One way or another. <laughs> as long as they get the almighty dollar. Speaking of dead people, uh, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the great Jinjos. So the great Jinjos, they don't actually appear in Banjo-Tooie, but they are the house that was completely destroyed. And we don't know how many great Jinjos there are. Some fans speculate that there are 10 just going off the numerical number. Um, mm-hmm. maybe there was only like half a gray ginger, you know, <laughs> I like, was going to say that, but I thought that was too stupid. A fraction of a, a ginger. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if gingers can't pull off their heads, maybe they lost the body or just the, the <laughs> head bouncing. Yeah. Or yeah, it was, it was the lower head. It wasn't even the head. It was just a <laughs> wiggling torso. I don't feel so bad if that if that was the case. <laughs> uh, the great gingos, they're all dead because uh, the digger module There's only half. The the digger module <laughs> actually uh, bulldozed and just ran over the great gingos, and they they couldn't even run away like the other gingos. They died, and their screams filled it. the gingo village that night. <laughs> Banjo-Tooie is, is a lot darker of a game, and um, that early tone that's set is a bleak one. It, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty uncompromised. And, you know, it really does make sense, right? Like, you defeat this evil witch. If she's going to get out of that situation and get her revenge, it's going to be pretty nasty, right? Like, mm-hmm. there, she, she is going to blow up the character's house. 
she's gonna murder at least one of the supporting cast and she she's just gonna go on this massacre <laughs> uh so i mean it, it never makes sense to me like oh uh i bowser king of the koopas have <laughs> have been foiled right like i i tried to abduct the princess for vague reasons and then this plumber man rescued her what am i going to do to get my revenge Luigi? No. No, like, that, yeah, (laughs) he would shoot Luigi in his sleep. (laughs) Shit. But no, he just kidnaps Uh. the princess. He's like, I'll just try again. (laughs) I'll I'll kill all the gray Yoshis. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that would have been, that would have been cool, like, in Yoshi's Island. (laughs) That'd be cool. So, like, (laughs) if, like, uh, a color of Yoshi in Yoshi's Island that we didn't see in Super Mario World, if we meet that and at the end of the game, like, (laughs) they all die, like. That's really sad. (laughs) Bowser, like, uh, I don't know, gas, like, he he sets off, like, this gas or he, like, um, like this pesticide he like poisons their crops and then they eat the corn on the cob and then it shows them sick in the hospital like a week later and then it shows their funeral i don't know what it would have been a terrible no. ending for the game no. but <laughs> i was just gonna say like maybe the whole jinjo's dying i equate it to like gargamel exacting his revenge on the smurfs or something uh-huh yeah, <laughs> exactly like that. Gingers yeah. are kind of like Smurfs in a way. Um, yeah, they like saying their own. They don't say Jinjo all the time. They do, like, but they talk. They talk, but they also say Jinjo. Yeah, but like, that's it's more like an expression, like a you know, like a what's the word I'm looking for? Like a general expression that you can use whenever, like Aloha or. I don't know, Serenity Now, I guess. That's a bit weird. That's all that that's comes bit, to that's mind. That's a bit weird, though. But like, okay, so, like, uh, there's never been any documented cases. I, I mean, I'm not a military expert. I, I, I'm, uh, like, that's not my area of expertise. That's not my forte. That's not where my interests lie. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that there's never been a prisoner of war camp that's been liberated. And, and all the prisoners, like, run out and they scream, Human! <laughs> Human! No, I just mean like a catchphrase or just a yeah, just a thing you, that people say like freedom or yeah. Or, it's still a weird catchphrase yeah. to make your Sweet. The, the name of your species. Spe- the name of your species is not a catchphrase, like <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it could be. If if a if a dog gets uh, adopted <laughs> from the rescue shelter, the dog isn't thinking. Dog. 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 <laughs> Pomeranian. Pomeranian. <laughs> I mean, who knows? You know, like, again, gingers <laughs> can be whatever we want them to be. They're a made-up species, and they're they're whatever the plot deems necessary. So, sure. Um, <laughs> here's my question, though. And this is something that I really haven't seen many fans ask about. Why are some mm-hmm. of the returning Jinjo colors, why, why is their amount smaller in Banjo-Tooie than a number seen in Banjo-Kazooie, right? So, like, mm-hmm. there, there's only three yellow Jinjos in Banjo-Tooie. There are way more than three yellow Jinjos in Banjo-Kazooie. So, it, it, my question is, did something happen to some of the other Jinjos from the original game? 
or are the Jinjo families in Jinjo Village not representative of the entirety of the Jinjo species? So, so are there like is this just a family of yellow Jinjos? But there are other yellow Jinjos that maybe live elsewhere, or they're more like vagabonds just roaming about. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I I feel I feel like that might be the case because it's like yeah there couldn't just be like one white i guess there could be but i feel like they're dispersed like all around the world like the jinjos that were in gruntilda's lair those were just like picked off from maybe some neighboring nation or something like that but i feel like the jinjo village is like where they originated but there may be Jinjos all over the planet in various different numbers. Maybe well, some colors that we don't even know about. Well, we'll get like into they where they own. we'll get into where they originated in, in just a, just a moment. But right, right, yeah. Like I, I feel like it, it couldn't possibly be all the Jinjos, right? Because in in that case, how do they reproduce? If this is a family, like like if there are only three orange Jinjos, and that's a family. Mm-hmm. Are, are they, uh, is this some sort of incest porn that's going on? Or is this like, I, 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 I feel like there would have to be other orange gingers and, and I'm sure they don't just keep it to their own colors. Like I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, an orange and can, uh, mate with a blue Jinjo and, and maybe then, you know, they, they produce, uh, whatever color that produce. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible yeah, like at mixing a- them up. Mixing my colors, a, a blue, like a that. blue ginger and a yellow ginger. I, I never, I never knew which crayons to combine as a kid to make. A, I was like, <laughs> why don't I just use the the color of crayon that I want to use? Why am I mixing the crayons? It doesn't. Yeah, this is messy. It's very messy. I had, I always had to keep within the lines, and I, and I was just, uh, and then, uh, coloring, coloring stressed me out as a, as a kid. <laughs> I figured that gingers. I don't know why, but it just popped up in my head. Maybe they like okay. So I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball recently, and there's a character like there, there's a species of green alien creature dudes, and they reproduce, or at least the initial one reproduces by like horking up an egg and then <laughs> spitting out a creature. So I figured maybe the Jinjos do that. They just like vomit up an egg, and then out comes a Jinjo. Like maybe like a a plat. Like a monotreme. It looks like the kind of... It looks like a mammalian creature that could lay eggs. Like a platypus. Right. Platypus, echidnas. Those are the only ones we have left. <laughs> Jinjos, yeah. Jinjos. <laughs> They're monotremes. But yeah, I, I I do think that like that the Jinjos we're rescuing in Banjo-Kazooie aren't necessarily the same Jinjos that we're rescuing in Banjo-Tooie. I, I think Jinjo Village... While it is the main home of the Jinjos, there are Jinjos scattered about the rare archipelago, maybe. Um, yeah. And also, with what we later see in Grunny's Revenge, it's possible that many Jinjos have already moved away from Jinjo Village and gone elsewhere, which we'll get to in a second. But first, we have to discuss King Jingling. So, what's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, remember that? <laughs> oh, that—that oh, that was. I was always, on the tail end of that. That was always funny. Yeah, that—that that <laughs> never got old. That 
Yeah, you know what I love? I love when people repeat jokes they see in beer commercials. <laughs> Bud. <laughs> it's like the commercial. That's timeless. It's like the That's commercial. Timeless, yeah, it's like the commercial with the beer. <laughs> I love it. So King Jingling, he uh he is the surprising monarch, the leader of the Jinjos. And I say surprising because, you know, for over two years, the fans, or at least me, just assumed that the Jinjinator was the uh, the most powerful Jinjo, ergo the leader of the Jinjos. But no, King Jingling, it turns out, is actually the leader of the Jinjos. And uh, he he is a very laid-back kind of monarch. He, he is um, not very regal in, in his... Nope. Um, persona in in what he kind of presents himself as i banjo calls him king dingling at one point which is a genitalia joke but um mm-hmm. he my dingling yeah no Sorry. that's uh yeah chuck berry uh chuck berry did that the original version of that song my dingling you can youtube that <laughs> uh since YouTube is not recommending DK Vine's videos to you, look up Chuck Berry singing My Dingaling. Chuck Berry. I'm the... sure they're all. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You go. You go. No, Chuck Berry, the father of rock and roll, singing My Dingaling in the 1970s. <laughs> I'm sure they're all age restricted. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember in Back to the Future when Marty McFly went back? to 1955 and he sang my ding at the enchantment under the sea dance i haven't seen the back to the future movies yet malik malik i know i know like i i, know I, I have to i know you're the cartoon gamer no i i see movies i see i know action but i'm like back the to the future is like it's like one of those movies it, you it's know, like one of the most everyone has to see yeah it's one of the most kinetic live action movies you could possibly watch like uh okay all right it's well. on the list you would understand you would understand so many references if you if you actually watch them <laughs> <laughs> i know the 88 miles per hour one i'm That's never gonna people I, say i'm never gonna shame anyone for not watching something because i they're like i get shamed all the time for not playing games Right, and it's just like I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I don't have time. I don't have interest. I, I, mm-hmm. I could be a, an expert at one. Th- I'd rather be an expert with one specific niche of gaming than uh, a master of nothing. Right. So, right here I am hosting the conversation. Oh come on, I'm here with you. Oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So King Jingling, he uses late 90s, early aughts slang. He refers to himself as the Jingster. Uh, who is this clown? Like, he, he comes across, if it wasn't for Granny's Revenge suggesting otherwise, I would say he's very young and just kind of fell into the role of King. Like, um, it was inherited, he's he's still, like, in his early 20s, and he's just, like, not treating it very seriously. Um, Granny's Revenge does suggest otherwise, and we don't know, like, the Jinjo lifespan when they're not run over by a, a giant module, so... 
mm-hmm. it's possible that Jinjos are like, you know, Yoda species where uh, a 50 year old is still a baby. And, you know, so Jingling is still relatively very young, despite at the very least being, you know, probably, you know, over 40 years old. We don't know. But uh, King Jingling, he, he's, he's just like a, a casual dude. Uh, despite being king, and he's he, he wants to be hip with the kids, and he uses all this very um, contemporary then contemporary slang. But he uh, he also he has toots as a pet yes. a, as a companion, and this begs the question: Is toots who is this little sort of like pinkish anteater flesh like creature? Uh, that was uh, by Ruby's side in Gobi's Valley in the original Banjo-Kazooie. Yes. Is Toots some sort of Jinjo? Mm, I don't think Toots is. You don't? Maybe a subspecies? Well, yeah. I, a distant I, relative? I feel like he's probably related because he is by the king of the Jinjo side. And so at some point in the two and two and a half years between Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, King Jingling got in touch with Ruby or, or discovered that Ruby had this creature with him that obviously has some sort of importance to the Jinjos enough for the ruler of the Jinjos to say, Hey, I need this creature by my side. Ruby gave Toots to King Jingling, or King Jingling just took him. We don't really know. Oh. But but um, <laughs> Toots is now with Jingling during Banjo-Tooie. So it's possible Toots is like a Jinjo baby. Like, like maybe Jinjos don't reproduce all that often. Like may, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it is a rare occurrence when Jinjos reproduce maybe they do lay eggs maybe they are like the rare mammals that like plop out eggs from their egg holes and they (laughs) they um uh it's like oh maybe they bury them in the sand and maybe a maybe a pink jinjo or or excuse me a purple jinjo uh maybe a pink jinjo there are we'll, we'll get into that but maybe they it buried it in the sand of gobi's valley and it hatched and and Ruby found it and brought it back and, you know, they, they formed a weird little family with Hisstop and then, you know, it's like, oh, this, this Jinjo that was laid in Gobi's Valley has, is actually okay. He's been living with this whatever Ruby is and, and we're, we're going to, uh, <laughs> we're going to come get it and bring it back to Jinjo Village. That that's a possibility, but you, you're right. Toots may also be a subspecies that's a relation to the Jinjos, um, some sort of like evolutionary throwback. You know, it, like maybe, maybe there there is a uh, missing link between Jinjos and whatever Toots is. Yeah. Maybe Toots is like what a monkey is to us, or uh, a chimpanzee, or something. Just just this kind of um, relative, but not actually uh, Jinjo. Yeah, like they can't breed with each other, but they are very close. Oh, and they try, believe me. Yes. 
No, yes, of course. no, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like Toots, because when I saw Toots in Gobi's Valley and Banjo Kazooie, I remember having an hours long discussion with my friend Elliot. Uh, yeah, uh, he didn't want to have it. I wanted to have it (laughs) because I didn't have a DK vine yet. DK vine was still over a year away. So I had to, I had to get my jolly somehow. I had to, you know, get my yaya out, uh, best I could. And so he was my sounding board and I was like, so here are the reasons why I think this creature, I didn't know it was toots until we got to the credits. And then I was like, oh my God, it has a name. He's, he's important. He's an important character. Write it down. <laughs> Toots. Oh, I had a list of all the characters. Whenever they would give the name, I would write it down and be like, all right, <laughs> I know it now. Uh, Toots. I was like, is Toots a Jinjo? Here are the pros. Here are the cons. And then when Banjo 2 year rolled around and Toots was with Jingling, I was like, oh, my God, that goes in the pro column right there. Toots is maybe a Jinjo. We still don't know. It's been over 20 years. We still don't know. But <laughs> I think there is some sort of relation there. And when we uh, ultimately circle to the idea of where Jinjos may have originated from, maybe there is some sort of correlation there. I don't know. Um, Jingling is interesting, though. Uh, Jingling... <laughs> When he's zombified, this this is something that Ray Day uh, kind of alluded to. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when he was zombified, he starts, like, he gets kind of bitchy. He, he starts, like, dishing dirt on some of the inhabitants of the Isle of Hags. Uh, yeah. But with Lord Wu Fak-Fak, he, he actually divulges this. He says, and I quote, Oh, yes, Lord Wu and I go way back. We often go fishing together, but I'm not supposed to tell anyone. Uh, which is interesting to me that uh, the king of the Jinjos would befriend this very angry anglerfish who lives off the coast of the Isle of Hags um, yeah. n- near the lost continent of Atlantis. Because, uh, uh, you know, Lord Wu Fak-Fak isn't necessarily a bad dude. He's not a bad guy. No. Angry, just cranky, just cranky. It, it's not like um, these bosses are in the employ of Gruntilda. It's not like Donkey Kong sixty four, where all the bosses are part of the Kremlin crew. Uh, these, these are not like these bosses are not part of Grunty Industries, the Winky Bunyan shell companies that exist. Like they're they're, they're usually poor souls to use Sakurai's parlance. Yes, who are who are going through something? There's a misunderstanding. There, there, uh, there, there, there's something happening that causes them to fight Banjo and Kazooie, and then it's kind of uh, it kind of cools down after that. Usually, like I guess Weldar would be uh, under Gruntilda's employ, um, just yeah, by virtue of being in it. Grunty Industries. But it's rare, like Chili Billy, Chili Willy, uh, Terry. Yeah, you know, they're they're just they're just trying to get by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's just interesting that Jingling uh, doesn't just keep his relations to the Jinjo kind. He's not like this exclusionary monarch where I only associate with Jinjos. He he tries to make the best out of being a citizen of the Isle of Hags, and this is actually exempt like like exemplified with his obsession with kickball 
because uh, <laughs> kickball is like the big sport in the Isle of Hags. And uh, the Jinjos are like, there's a big kickball tournament coming up with, what is it, against the Moles? Yes, I believe so. And wasn't Bottles supposed to play on that team? I forget. I I, I forget that much. But, <laughs> so so we know kickball was brought to the Isla Hags with the sort of pseudo Mayan culture that sprang up within Mayhem Temple and the Stonies and and like I, Target Zan's influence brought kickball, this Mesoamerican sport to the Isla Hags. And for more on my theory about Target Zan and how it may relate to Imhotep, I I point you to the recent conversation episode, The Slush Fund, Saber Wolf. I've got some theories there <laughs> about Target Zan. Some crazy theories. <laughs> but uh, that, that's where kickball came from. So I like that even if the Jinjos aren't necessarily native to the area, like near mayhem temple they're still like part of the society right they're they're engaging with the moles they've got a friendly rivalry with them they're uh they're adopting this culture from the the mayans that live there the stonies uh it's it's cool it's 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 a little i i like when we get these larger views of the culture of the rare archipelago and how interlinked it can be. Um, because you don't yeah. really get that outside of the 3d platformer so much. Like, like it, it's maybe alluded to in dialogue and some of the 2d platformers, like the Duncan country games and in the instruction manuals of things like Diddy Kong racing. But it, it really is the 3d platformers where you get a sense of a vibrant community of weirdos. Yeah, I've always appreciated that. It does make it feel like yeah, that's the thing I love about rare games. Again, is in the the level of characters and how they interact with each other. It makes it feel like a real believable place. Like even if you can't relate with this ant eater bird like mammalian egg laying creature who can blow <laughs> up like a balloon and fly and teleport and do stupid things like Trumpy, even if you can't relate to that it's still possible to view yourselves within the context of their society because they're just like us. Celebrities are just like us. They play kickball. They, uh, they quote beer commercials. <laughs> they, you know, it's like all rare characters for the most part have this in this relatable in where you're like, okay, I could see myself living there under the right circumstances. So I, I, I do appreciate like the, the brief time we spend with Jingling because he's zombified pretty quickly and then he just like gives out hints um through he's kind yeah, of like this also hit me hard too when I first played the game. It's like, oh, oh my god, all my friends are dead. Every single link I have is dead or a zombie. It's it's <laughs> creepy too, right? Like I think Conquer's Bad Fur Day coming out like a scant four months later like not even four months after banjo Tooie, and and having the really like horrific spooky chapter uh, horrific for those of us who were used to rare games and didn't play horror games like resident evil i think i think it immediately overshadowed how creepy and unsettling zombified jingling actually was 
Um, I think UK fans had it even worse because Bad Ferdy came out literally one day after Tui. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kidding. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it, it was just like the music and just uh, jingling, like, just how this, like, fun- around. I, I mean, it was a good... It, it was a good divergence, right? Because this fun, easygoing, kind, almost like Dubro of a character transformed into this soulless husk. Um, and he hurts you if you touch him. He does, yeah. And you can't, you can like knock him back, but you can't defeat him, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Toots, poor Toots. He's is still, fried. Yeah, he's still alive, <laughs> barely, but fried in a husk. He doesn't have long. Like if Banjo and Kazooie didn't use some of that uh life energy and zapped it back into them i'm sure toots would have died shortly thereafter oh yeah not kidding like when i had trouble in tui that was like one of the main things that kept me going and persevering so i was like oh man jinjo king jingling is dead and toots is dead i feel so terrible for just leaving them like this i have to keep her persevering (laughs) yeah and and it's it's effective right because you just met these characters you didn't spend a lot of time with them but in that short time you kind of like them and and that kind of worked bringing toots in for those hardcore banjo kazooie nerds who care about who the fuck toots is (laughs) uh to, to bring that character into jingling's throne room and then put him through that it even if you didn't care about jingling because you didn't get to spend enough time with him having toots really up the ante i think you know it's like oh no <laughs> yeah i think i remember when yeah when i first played Tui and the cutscene happened i was like i need to go back inside and then i hear bum, bum, bum. It's like, oh god yeah <laughs> what happened <laughs> Oh, she's terrible. Gretchy's terrible. She needs to die again. I I did think you know they needed to. I've I've said this in every every critique I've given of Tui. They needed to have more cutscenes. Donkey Kong sixty four. What it did actually better than Banjo Tui was it it kept up the reminders of what was at stake through the cutscenes with yeah. K Rule. Um, it, it kept him part of the story. And Grunty kind of got detached from Banjo-Tooie. Like, the the nice thing about Grunty uh, popping up in Grunty's lair in the original game is it reminded you of Grunty's presence. You know, having her come in and rhyme and insult you. And they got away from that in Banjo-Tooie, and so Grunty just kind of disappears. The B.O.B. kind of disappears after the yeah. initial um, like opening 40 minutes of the game, then you're just kind of like left to your own devices. And if you, you can kind of forget what's at stake. Like the, this whole Island could be sucked away. So Grundy can restore herself. And the only, the only thing keeping you going is Jingling's um, grayed out palace and him existing within as a zombie uh, it, it, that that does work as a motivator if you do, you know, pass it by and you you care about taking a long way as as I do. So you know, yeah. Really quick before we move on to Grunny's Revenge, I do have to ask, and I only ask this because it's come up in the past through others. Do you think Lobos are a distant relation to Jinjos? I don't think so because they don't really look similar. It's not like a toots situation 
don't mm-hmm. think they look that similar. Like I said, Globos are basically Furbies or or like cute gremlins uh, from the movie yeah. Gremlins, gremlins. Um, before they before they uh, become you know before they get wet or get fed after midnight or whatever. Uh, yes. So like I don't I don't think I think Globos are just another magical creature that happens to exist in the Isle of Hags, but I don't think there's any actual like evolutionary link between them yeah i don't think so either like i've actually thought about this myself but they just seem a bit too distant on the family tree if they even are on the tree together yeah they're they're, they're just another creature that has vague magic magical properties and, and their magical properties are literally just let me put you in this glowing puddle and yeah. and then i will like get the magical energies out of you and use it to transform uh, this bear and this bird. So uh, they're even more vaguely defined than Jinjos are. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if down the line they they said, yeah, they're related. And I'd be like, oh, okay. No, I, I think I'd have a problem with that. Oh, you would have a problem with that. <laughs> wow, it's rare that, you know, <laughs> nah, nah. I could just shrug something off and Malik, the cartoon gamer, would be like, nope. This is, I I draw the line here. Nope, too far. I mean, like you had like twenty years to say that they were. You can't do that now. <laughs> no, no. If it, if it makes you feel any better, I doubt we'll see Globos anytime soon. Oh man, come on! I don't hate them. That, I don't hate them. <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I'm just saying. Like I I imagine like if and when we get a new Banjo Kazooie game, it would surprise me if Globos were in it. Maybe we'll see one in Everwild. I don't know, like a like a, a giant creature that is like Globonius Maximus or something. Look, look, friend, I'm still trying to get TT and Sea of Thieves. I, I, I bought that antique stopwatch. I fake urinated on it, and, and for what? Here we are, 2022, and TT still not in Sea of Thieves. Weirder things have happened. I know, I know. I've got to, I've got to keep up the faith. It's hard when I'm going through this depressive spike. You know, it's it's it, it's hard to remain optimistic. I'm like, oh wow, I bet Rare really hates me. Whenever <laughs> I I fill out those Sea of Thieves no! surveys and I and I always work in a reference to TT and them and, and I, bet, I bet they're like this. This this, this, this idiot. This clown. It's... No, no. <laughs> Not at all. I mean that. Not this, at all. This is why we don't follow DK Vine on Twitter. <laughs> they don't follow me either. <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm in the same boat. Hey, Grunny's Revenge. So I know uh, nothing next to nothing about this one. Okay, so just just buckle up because we're gonna go for a ride now. Grunny's Revenge. Okay. It it takes place two places in a timeline. So Granny's Revenge picks up like two months after Banjo Kazooie does. So it takes place um, like late summer 1998. Um, yeah. 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 It, it takes place like I, I think. Um, like late August, maybe. Um, yeah. Late August, early September. Yeah. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> so that. That's that's where the game picks up, but then of course Gruntilda, Banjo, and Kazooie they travel backwards in time to 1978. They they go 20 years into the past, 
And here we get to explore Spiral Mountain as it existed in the late 70s, where Gruntilda is just moving in. She's just now establishing her lair. And this is where the the, um, lore of the Jinjos kind of just explodes, because... When when we finally get up, because Spiral Mountain is expanded in Granny's Revenge, it is the overworld, and we see more of Spiral Mountain. Like apparently in the in 1978, there was more of Spiral Mountain, the valley that was traversable, than we see in uh, in the 90s, 20 years later. So right, it takes us a while to get up to where Grunty's lair would be, um, as we saw it in 98. And, and 2000 and, and thereafter. And so we, we, we've gotten to the point where Grunty has just put her own head in the mountainside. And we see what used to be there. And what used to be there was King Jingling's head. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so, and this, this is... If for, for the like you see that and you're like, oh my god, did the Jinjos used to live in the mountain? And that is confirmed uh, at the end of the game. If you get 100%, some purple Jinjos talk to Banjo and they say, at last we can return to our homeland, which is Spiral Mountain. So basically, what happened was King Jingling and the Jinjos lived in the mountain of Spiral Mountain, lived in the like, what is Grunty's lair? Grunty moved in, built the tower, uh, evicted the Jinjos, drove them out, uh, and then they eventually resettled in Jinjo, what became Jinjo Village uh, near Mayhem Temple and where, you know, Bottle's future home. So it, it's interesting that they, they've kind of attached this, like, indigenous plight to the Jinjo backstory. And, you know, that that's it doesn't come up in Kazooie and Tui. I think this is wholly an invention of the Grunty's Revenge team. But it works yeah. so well toward explaining Grunty's animosity towards the Jinjos, explaining that history, and explaining where some of the other Jinjos might have been in Tui. Because by the events of Tui, Grunty's Revenge already happened. And since Gruntilda had been evicted from her lair, and then the events of Grunty's revenge happen, and the Jinjos are like, hey, we can come back. We, we, we can return. We can start moving back in. So it is entirely possible. I said Gruntilda and Cheeto are living the high life in Grunty's lair. I think some Jinjos are back in Spiral Mountain, are back living in Grunty's lair. They have returned to their ancestral homeland. And yeah. it's just such I like I love Grunty's Revenge, and I really do recommend you play it at some point, Malik. If you if you like Banjo Kazooie, it 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 is basically taking the essence of Banjo Kazooie and distilling it into this GBA top down adventure, but it works very well. And yeah, I need to keep my eye out for like an eBay listing or something. Yeah, I I've always wanted to try it. You know, I, I know how expensive cartridges can get in this day and age. So I, I would have no problem with you tracking down the ROM, you know, and, and trying that out. Like, 
it's it's definitely worth your time and i think you will find some of the lore like there's so much lore in the game and i think it's essential almost to really understanding and appreciating some of banjo kazooie's lore because it it, it really is just fleshed out in granny's revenge it is just a deep dive of continuity and they have some fun with it so I, I think uh, you or any listener to this who hasn't played Grunty's Revenge, but you love Banjo-Kazooie and Tui, you will be delighted with Grunty's Revenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll, it's on the list. So Grunty's Revenge, uh, it, it had the following Jinjo colors, and, and it, it, it switched it up again. So in this case, you'll find all of the colors of a jinjo family or or collective within a world so there are jinjos on the overworld of spiral mountain uh they're the purple ones right orange jinjos are found in cliff farm yellow jinjos are found in Bregal beach green jinjos are found in bad magic bayou gray jinjos are found in spillers harbor and blue jinjos are found in freezing furnace so yes this is the only living appearance of the gray Jinjos because this takes place 20 years before Banjo-Kazooie, 22 years before Banjo-Tooie, and 22 years before they were bulldozed by Grantilla. Oh. So it, oh my God. It, it's just a really cool detail because <laughs> they, they, they stuck with the colors found in the original Banjo-Kazooie, but they had like an extra color they could use. And so they were like, yeah. what Jinjos should we put in here in this game that's half mid-cool, half prequel? What if we, like, pay off the gray Jinjos and we actually get to see them for once? Yeah, I, I love Rare. Oh my god, I love Rare. And I love <laughs> the handheld team of this era. And I love the Grunny's Revenge team. I love everything about this game, Malik. This game is just, like... When I when I think about why I'm a rare fan, a handful of titles bubble up to the surface first and foremost, and Grunny's Revenge is among the flotsam. Wow! Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I really need to check out some of the handheld games that aren't DKC three because I hear so many <laughs> good things about them. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, definitely check it. Check out Grunny's Revenge. Miss Mister Pants Malik. It's Mr. Pants. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. I need, is that one? Ex- I'm I'm such a stickler for ROMs and like official things. No, I, like I sometimes I'm I like, understand. Yeah. The only ROMs I have like willingly embraced for myself are the ROMs of the Infusio mobile titles. Simply, <laughs> simply for a game, simply for a game preservation kind of point of view. Where unless you have yeah. a flip phone that actually were provided because that was the wild west of mobile gaming back then malik if your provider didn't offer those games you couldn't play them so so the fact like the only way to really tangibly own them is to have the rom of them and you can play them on like the these rom programs that simulates the mobile phone experience as closely as possible so, you know, it, like, but I've, I've actually, like, burned them to disc. Like, I, I have them in wow. my DKU collection, burned to disc, uh, and just, like, I'm, I'm very meticulous about it. But 
that, that that's that's the only ROMs I still feel comfortable about. But I'm not such a stickler these days for other people playing ROMs, given how spotty game preservation and the availability of games are. Like my feeling is, if it's readily available and it it does support the developers. Like there's an immediate financial windfall for the developers in some form or fashion. You should buy it. You should not, you know, illegally yeah. play it. But if it's something like Diddy Kong Racing that that hasn't been available commercially in over two decades, and you know, you're not really taking money out of anybody's hard work for like downloading it. Yes, go ahead. You know, <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like again, like. Always buy or like legally procure your games if they're of a current vintage or if they are available through legal means. But I, I think it's an ethical gray area if they're not offering that to you. Like, if believe me, if there's a way that like the 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 Doctor Mario World mobile game could be available again in some sort of pirated form. I would absolutely be all about that because Nintendo took it down. So fuck it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why not? I, I want to see that hard work. The hard work that even if I'm not wild about the game, a lot of hard work went into it. And I want to see that hard work preserved. I don't want it to just disappear forever. Mm-hmm. I, I become a stickler for this. So. Yeah, just I, I don't know, because. I, I understand where you're coming from when it comes to the legality of stuff, but sometimes when I see certain em- I mean, emulation has gotten better, especially for N64 games. But for me, especially, I, I'm I'm okay with like 16-bit and 8-bit emulation. But when I get to like N64 and something, it, it feels weird. But if there's literally no other option, like yeah, then then I'll just emulate. Well, it, thankfully it, I have Diddy Kong Racing. It's especially one. weird because Rare would like famously. To make the most out of the N64, they would pull all sorts of tricks. And, like, that makes emulating it really hard. Like, you see some of these Donkey Kong 64 emulations. And mm-hmm. and there are all these weird visual glitches. And you're like, what is happening there? And it's just, yeah, because the emulation didn't account for whatever Rare did to, like, get this, the bomb-ass lighting make in the hallways. Work. Yeah. So, you know... Hopefully, we're we're you know going to get more uh, classic rare N sixty four games on Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack, and you know, Banjo- getting Banjo Kazooie has just like opened everything wide. You know, probably not conquer, but you know, maybe we'll see some other N sixty four versions of games that aren't in Rare Replay. You know, and there is Rare Replay yeah. to experience some of the other ones. So hey, hope. Anyway, Grunny's Revenge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great game. You, everybody should play it if you can. It also introduces a new individual Jinjo. So Banjo-Kazooie gave us the Jinjinator. Banjo-Tooie gave us King Jingling. Banjo-Kazooie Grunny's Revenge gives us the Jinjo Oracle. The Jinjo Oracle is interesting because she is the first confirmed female Ginger with uh, she-her pronouns. She ginger. 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 Sorry, I was thinking about uh, Ed Bryan's hair back in the 90s. <laughs> First <laughs> now confirmed female Jinjo, right? And yeah, that's it's interesting because she is also a statue. 
she she is uh, a statue that kind of resembles the Jinjinator in statue form. So the question is, is there a Jinjo underneath the statue that is just like in this weird statue form that hasn't been freed? Well, I don't think so because the way it sounds is she is like it's implied at least I think by descriptions of the Jinjo Oracle that she has passed away but her spirit has lingered in the statues built in her honor which exist in every world and you go to the Jinjo Oracle and she will give you hints towards the next world and and so I, I like this idea that there is this like almost a wrinkly Kong Jinjo but her spirit is lingering in this world through the statues built in her uh, image right um and and her spirit can pop from statue to statue so she can't actually move around if there's no statue of her in place but if there is then you can go visit her and she'll she'll manifest in the statue it's kind of similar like i said to the wrinkly doors in dunk 64 but also sort of the um the the well in star fox adventures where the spirits can speak to you through the well um Rare liked playing with uh, with ghostly figures speaking to you through architecture. Uh, it, probably it, what after after working on games for so long, that's probably what happens to them. They <laughs> <laughs> just find ghosts in like the fridge or something. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Granny's Revenge. Like, I I feel like if it, you just have those three first three banjo games. You almost get a complete picture of Jinjo culture, Jinjo legacy and history, and and, and you know you you've, you've got this like nice understanding of Jinjos, but there are further appearances that kind of add a little bit more to the Jinjos. Banjo Pilot. Now, this is funny because this yeah. gets into our earlier discussion. <laughs> you say, "Yeah, I take it you've never played Banjo Pilot either." Oh, I actually, I actually have pilot. Not that there's really oh, I'm much sorry. to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> out of out of all the GBA games you could have, I know. Banjo Pilot is probably not. And look, this is I this got is, the wrong fifty percent. Ah, this is no slight to Banjo Pilot. Like, I Banjo Pilot is not my favorite, and it it's a game full of compromises, and it, it's a shame that. The original four visions, like four iterations of this game, <laughs> couldn't come to pass because I feel like every version of this game, uh, that that's not really an exaggeration. I feel no, like no, I know. I feel I've like seen I feel like every iteration of this game would have been more interesting than what we got. This was ultimately just we've got to get this game done. This has been almost yeah. half a decade. Let's let's get it out the door <laughs> finally. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like a constant game of like, yeah. You with, with each build, you see like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's just wild. Like, <laughs> okay. I, I think it was in our Discord, the inner circle, where somebody said, "Is Banjo Pilot the most like convoluted Donkey Kong universe game when it comes to just the history, like the wildest, weirdest history of any game?" When when you factor in. And I'm just spitballing here. This is not in my notes. Uh, Redneck Kong. Um, the build that had the Mario cast in it. 
uh, K. Rule searching for the lost city of El Dorado. Like, what was that? <laughs> you had that uh, you had the voxel version of Banjo Pilot that looked amazing. That looked like a Nintendo 3DS game. You know, it looked so many years ahead of its time. And it it was ultimately cut, allegedly because they couldn't get the multiplayer working. And I'm like, who played multiplayer on GBA? Like, th- this is... Unless it was Pokemon, who cares? Oh my god. Like, the, the voxel version, seeing the leaked ROMs of it, it still looks amazing. Like, yeah, it's a little dodgy, like... Um, the draw distance isn't great, but oh my god, like it's a it's a visual feast for the GBA. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, you look you look up compromise in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of Banjo Pilot. <laughs> I still am glad we got Banjo Pilot. Like I'm glad it wasn't canceled. It, it, and it did yeah, have lots too. lots of fun things like Espresso the Ostrich. <laughs> well Saberman's in there too. Saberman's in there too. And yeah. That was intentional. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they look. They left a couple Donkey Kong assets in the game. And I, th- I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was unintentional that Espresso was in it. It was clearly supposed to be Espresso. It was just they were just like, fuck Oops. it, fuck it. Nobody's gonna notice. Just get this game out. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Nobody's gonna like. There, it's not like there's a community of people who obsess over this stuff. This was bef- this was two thousand. Yeah, that that would be crazy. We won't ever like them on. We don't ever follow them on Twitter. <laughs> What's Twitter? We don't even know. That was only two years away, though. But yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <laughs> it wasn't as all-consuming thing in the culture right away, though. So true, true. Yeah, banjo pilot. So th- this ties into our earlier discussion. When it comes to, hey, how great Rare is versus Nintendo when it comes to celebrating individualistic characters and not just lumping them all in as, like, their species, right? Like, you you don't just have toads, right? Like, Diddy Kong Racing, it wasn't (laughs) just Kremlin or Critter. It was Crunch, the Kremlin, who happens to be a Critter. Uh, and then you, boom, that's an individual personality. Fans are going to love that. Fans do love that. That's the way fans think. Banjo Pilot just had a playable character named Jinjo. Mm-hmm. And it was a purple Jinjo. Not even a Jinjo named Joe or anything, just a Jinjo. Yes. And, and I would be okay with this if, like, it was established that the rank and file Jinjos just went by Jinjo. Like, it, it was like a, a play on the Mario convention where, yeah, I'm Jinjo, I'm Jinjo, that's Jinjo, he's Jinjo, <laughs> she's Jinjo over there. But if you're like a higher status, then you're the Jinjinator or Jingaling or the Jinjo <laughs> Oracle. Nuts and bolts, that would actually establish that, no, that's not the case. Every Jinjo actually does have kind of a unique name. So, ooh. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really work. So, is this Jinjo Jinjo, the purple Jinjo? Is it like a Mario Mario type situation? I don't I know. I it is. I don't know. And it could just be that Jinjo is just racing as Jinjo to represent all Jinjo kind. Um, the artist formerly known as Jinjo. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I really don't like, I feel like Banjo Pilot kind of put the thumb in the eye of a lot of the stuff that rare fans were like 
always like very obnoxiously celebrating about rare on message boards like well yeah but <laughs> rare always celebrates characters and rare always makes sure to have a story attached and they're not just racing for the sake of racing there would be a story attached to it and then Ban- and then banjo pilot was announced i'm like yeah we don't know what the story is yet but i bet it's going to be an awesome story and then the game comes out and there's no story and they're just racing for the sake of racing and and then- always surprising us that rare and we and and, and we we wrote into rare scribes because you know scribes was still the main source of communication with rare it's like hey rare uh banjo pilot where does it take place in a timeline and then it's just like oh it doesn't yeah it's like we don't care we don't care we're so sick of this we're so sick of this we just want it out we're done it's over. You're, it's like you're you're seriously asking us about this. Do you know what we went through to get this game out? Just just enjoy it for what it is. Hey, here's banjo. <laughs> We're not sugarcoating yeah. it. Hey, here's banjo pilot. Eat shit and like it, uh, <laughs> and buy it, please. <laughs> so Jin, uh, Jinjo, I almost called you Jinjo, Malik, because I'm so used to saying oh, Jinjo, no. and I, everything <laughs> is just Jinjo to me now. You are Jinjo. I'm Jinjo. We're we're just like the purple Jinjo from off of Banjo Pilot. <laughs> you think the ban the, the the purple Jinjo and Banjo Pilot is supposed to be the purple Jinjo that Banjo is carrying on the box art of Banjo Kazooie? Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe because this could... gin- this Jinjo has to have a greater level of importance than the other that purple Jinjo... Jinjos. He doesn't look like he really wants to be there on on the box art. By the way, he's like, hey. Can you get me out of this predicament? <laughs> it's, it, look, it, it's it's just like any animal. They don't really want to be constrained, right? Jinjos can fly and teleport. And Banjo's like, let me carry you to safety. And and the, the Jinjo's like, hey, He's not like, necessary. He's like, dude, I'm fine. I can yeah. fly. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is kind of like infringing upon my boundaries right now. Um, mm-hmm. Can I have some space between us, dude? So yeah, I don't think they are. But one one little thing I forgot to bring up in Banjo Kazooie renders for the first game, Jinjos have eyebrows, but from Tui onwards, they do not. That yeah, I don't think that was ever <laughs> really like visible in game. No, no, just in renders. Yeah, I think they look better without the eyebrows. If I'm honest. Sometimes they look like they're just like staring into your soul. Like there's a picture from the instruction manual where a Jinjo, Jinjo is just looking over to the side and it looks like you said something about his mom. What, with the eyebrows? No, without the eyebrows. It's from uh, Grunty's Revenge. Maybe I could post it in the Discord No, I, <laughs> if I, that would help. I like it. I, I, I like when they stare into my soul because then I, I know there's still something inside of me. I feel let something. Let me see. I don't think you... Um, you, you might have seen this one, but uh, let me just... Uh, Paint a better picture for you. All right, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll describe this... it. I'll describe it as best I can, to, you know, to our audience. Given this is an audio only show, oh, they they can they can pretend. Just look it up on the Jiggy Wiki. I tried pasting it, but it said my files were too powerful. Okay, so paste it in the document. Something. Paste it in the document. The show notes. Okay. Um, yes, and I will do my best to illustrate the picture with my words. Good, good. Uh, let me see. This thing is just reloading. Let's see. Should I just put it at the bottom? Uh, just put it wherever you want. I'll 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 jump to your little icon here. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, let's see. There we go. 
you see him? Uh, hold on. There we go. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean? I take it back. That's that's horrible. Uh, it's a blue Jinjo who's just looking to the side. He looks like he's unsure of the predicament he's in. Um, he he looks like. He, yeah, like, if, if I saw that blue Jinjo in an alley, and what am I doing walking through a dark alley? Like, I'm not Batman's parents. I don't know. Like, what, what, I don't Did know. Did you I, say Martha? Yeah, <laughs> like, this Jinjo? but I would imagine this Jinjo wouldn't just be there to rob me of my pearl necklace. That Jinjo would be there to rip out my throat with its teeth. <laughs> or its beak. Yeah, it, 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 it would... Snort me with its giant nose. And, Skewer uh, you. Yeah. Like on guard. Looks like on guard, actually. Does kind of look like on guard if on guard was terrible. Had no soul. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's Retro Studios' problem. They they Google imaged like they they did a like a, a Google image search of on guard, and somehow this image came up. And they were like, oh, <laughs> like, well, are we... we bringing this guy back? No, oh, no. Oh, hell no. No, yeah. <laughs> Bury this. He's scary. Oh. <laughs> so can you guess what the two new Jinjo colors seen in Banjo Pilot actually were? Uh, I'm going to say Periwinkle and Rainbow. No, but uh, good guess. <laughs> uh, this wasn't a good Cyan guess. and Pink. Cyan and pink. That feels so like we've already seen them before. Yeah, because cause cyan is just light blue. And yeah, pink, is, pink just, is just purple. Uh, yeah. But uh, so in the Jinjo Grand Prix, Jinjo GP, it's just it's hard to say. Jinjo yes. GP. Um, GP. <laughs> they, uh, they had to fill out the, the Jinjo ranks a little bit with, with the... Uh, the Jinjo, because you could only play as the purple Jinjo, but you were racing against other Jinjos, and so you know you, you got to you got you got to flesh out the the Jinjo ranks because you can't have the other Banjo Kazooie characters there. So they 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 invented some other colors that we've never seen before, and they just like changed the shading on um, some pre-existing Jinjos, and that's how we got. Cyan and pink, the most elusive Jinjos this side of white. Yeah, I was about. To, I was going to say that are still alive. That are uh, this side of existence. Of well, yes, unless you time travel back to 1978, which apparently is very easy to do. Yeah, yeah. If if we ever miss the gray Jinjos, we can just have M- Mumbo cast the spell, and we can just go back and recklessly muck about with the timeline. <laughs> Come back, everything is on fire. I mean, that's yeah, and, and Grunny's Revenge. One of the bad and the bad good ending, the less good ending, is you come back and there are multiple banjos who have also time traveled who have come back. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Onan, DK Vine staffer, has a theory that the banjo head seen in the cock and plucker in Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. It's one of them. It's one of them, right, yeah. <laughs> one of them who was uh, assassinated. Anyway. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I was, I like, I laughed at it at first, like, no, no. But the more I think about it, the more like, well, probably. <laughs> what other reason would there be? 
<laughs> he just died. Banjo's dead? No. Perish the thought. So that takes us to nuts and bolts. As yeah. as was brought up in the calls earlier, uh some people hate this redesign for the Jinjos because it it makes them more lanky, elongated. Um I, I I don't know how to describe it. You've you've seen how they look in nuts and bolts, right? Have you pl- you've played nuts and bolts, right? Uh no, oh. I haven't. Oh. I, I know how they look, and honestly, I don't mind it all that much. When I was still on the fence about nuts and bolts, like years and years ago, I thought the Jinjos were like one of the uh, one of the few things where I was like, these look like how I imagined they would. I have no problem with these designs i think it I works really like i think it works within the context of nuts and bolts art direction like i don't yeah. think it would have worked so much had they just pulled that design into super smash brothers ultimate when everything else has kind of reverted back to the n64 visual uh status quo but i i think for nuts and bolts it's one of the less drastic redesigns like like there are some redesigns that really work for me well in Nuts and Bolts, and some redesigns where I'm like, eh, that might be yeah. a bit much. You know, like, I'm fine with Mumbo in Nuts and Bolts. Klungo, on the other hand, looks a bit off to me. And it'd be hard to do Klungo with the Nuts and Bolts art style anyway, but I, I, I like Bongi the Jinjos. is a little iffy for me, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Be- oh, I mean, banjo too honestly like any of the bears in nuts and bolts um i'm I'm fine with i think banjo looks fine once you get used to it and you see it in motion but i don't think it ever really looks right in stills like like screenshots and and uh artwork yeah it looks better in motion yeah so anyway yeah the, the the redesign i didn't really mind um i i i like I think it allowed them to be more expressive because the Jinjos do have quite a bit more personality in Nuts and Bolts because they are not just collectibles that go, help, help. They actually have dialogue. You talk to them and and they send you on these little missions that are, you know, related to Nuts and Bolts and the vehicular antics of that game. You have to, like, taxi them around. Yeah, they blow up like a balloon like a ball and you have to push them around uh they, they do all sorts of different things and we also i mentioned banjo pilot you know there's jinjo jinjo the purple jinjo and i say that because <laughs> we get a better sense for their actual naming conventions for the rank and file jinjos in the game because uh, and i'm gonna i'm gonna list you three characters that are mentioned in nuts and bolts three jinjos okay dave jinjo Dave, <laughs> Dave Jinjo. Hi, nice. I'm Jinjo. Nice, Dave Jinjo. Please, please, Mister Jinjo is my father. Call me <laughs> Dave Jinjo. <laughs> what are the other two? <laughs> now, I don't. I don't know if this is actually like you know the the hard rule for Kongs in the DKU is that Kong is always their surname. Which is, yes. you know, uh, that was established with Mankey Kong and um, the Jungle Beat Kongs that have no relation to the Kongs that we know, but they are intelligent apes or monkeys in the Rare Archipelago. Ergo, they have the Kong surname, and that's why we have been adamant about Konga in Banjo-Kazooie or Chimpy 
being Kongs. And in fact, mm-hmm. there was a, I think, a Prima guide in for Banjo-Kazooie in 98 or, or some other, like, non-official guide at the time that wasn't the official Nintendo guide to Banjo-Kazooie. And they called him Konga the Kong, which Konga I, Kong. I, I'm, I'm not saying that should be viewed as an official source but i do find it sort of validating i'm like ah we're not the only ones <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so you know and, and bear uh i am adding it bear 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 is the bear, surname bear. of the bears and that that's more <laughs> iffy but um donk on country 3 and some of the official sources uh, established that Bear is indeed the surname of the brothers Bear. And so yes. it's like, well, that's probably like Kong. And then so Banjo Bear, Boggy Bear, Tootie Bear. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound as good, but just whatever. So I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't think the surname is always Jinjo. Like Dave Jinjo would imply that. And then we also have Granny Jinjo, a, a, a grandma, grandmother Jinjo is referenced, Granny Jinjo. So that does imply some sort of like, hey, you are my mother. Hey, you are my grandmother. So if they do lay eggs, I, they can maybe trace their genealogy and, and have some sort of like family unit that is similar in structure to humans or uh, primate. yeah, primates. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. It, it it didn't like nestle into my brain until like a second after you said it. I was like, oh, I, I, I got <laughs> oh, it. Crap. Uh, also, there's a character, a Jinjo character, who introduces himself as Hurley. Hurley Jinjo. Hur- well, he doesn't say Hurley Jinjo. He just says. Uh, okay, so uh, I, I actually uh, pulled some quotes here. Okay. So Hurley, the Jinjo Hurley, hosts uh, a Jinjo hurling game. Uh, you know, you hurl a Jinjo. And so he says, yes. come on. So, Malik, have you ever watched the television show Lost? Uh, I am aware of it, but that's pretty much it. So you're aware that there's a character on the show Lost called hurley i am now okay <laughs> hurley hurley's the big dude i don't know if you ever uh-huh. see, you ever saw any uh like promotional stills or footage from lost hurley's the big dude no. with curly hair why didn't they call him curly well his real <laughs> his, his his real name is hugo reyes but uh-huh. his nickname is hurley because of the time he hurled everywhere I see. As in vomited. <laughs> as in early 90s slang for vomit. Early Hurley. Hurley. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> early 90s Hurley slang. So anyway. All right. So Nuts and Bolts <laughs> came out 2008. This was uh, like four years into Lost. Yeah. So so the, here's some quotes from Hurley. Come on. Try your hands at Jinjo Hurling. The name's Hurley. Dude, I'm lost on the island. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I guess they like lost over there. Uh, if you if you fail at Jinjo Hurling, he says, that was so not awesome, dude. Hurley on lost says dude a lot. That's his like, catchphrase. He's like, I see. Like, there, one time, a uh, a character on the show named Arnst uh, was... Arnst? Arnst. He was carrying uh, dynamite 
from the uh, old uh, old uh, galleon on the island, the Black Rock, that had uh, shipwrecked in the middle of the jungle. And uh, there, were, there was a bunch of dynamite on there, so characters would routinely go into the Black Rock to get dynamite. But it would be, you know, been sitting in the humid jungle for like a century. And so it was uh, actually sweating nitroglycerin. And so it was extremely volatile. So uh, it, it would just blow up if you're not extremely careful with it. So the character Arnst was uh, handling the dynamite and it blew up. And Arnst, like, his guts showered Hurley. And Hurley was like, dude. <laughs> so that was Hurley's catchphrase. Anyway, so <laughs> Hurley, <a> hurl. <laughs> Hurley Jinjo, uh, if you fail at Jinjo Hurling, says, that was so not awesome, dude. Go get some practice. Be careful you don't, you know, fall down a hatch or something. Because in Lost, there was a hatch that was built by this organization called the Dharma Initiative in actually the the 1970s. So kind of a Grunny's Revenge tie in there. But they they were studying the unique electromagnetic properties on the island, which actually stem from the heart of the island, which is actually the gateway between this world and the next, the portal where all souls travel. Spoilers, I know. But anyway, uh, uh, it was perceived by this uh, group of scientists, hippie scientists, called the Dharma Initiative, as just strange <laughs> electromagnetic magnetic energy exuding from various points on the island. They started digging in 1977 for this electromagnetic energy. They were going to build this uh, research station there called the Swan. Um, uh-huh. and, and anyway, uh, the time traveling <laughs> castaways of Oceanic <laughs> Flight 815, uh, they, they were time traveling by that point. They were in 1977. They had a thermonuclear device and they were like, hey, if, if we blow up the hatch, which is what they called the Swan Station, if we blow up the hatch while they're building it, we can... Uh, plug this electromagnetic energy, which is ultimately the electromagnetic magnetic energy that downs our plane in 2004. Therefore, we will never come to this island and and we will prevent all the hardship we've experienced the last three years from ever happening. Uh, now, granted, it wasn't just the electromagnetic energy of the Swan Station. It was also the machinations of Jacob, the uh, immortal <laughs> deity-like being who actually orchestrated their entire lives up to that point so they could come to the island so one of them could take over protecting the island from the man in black, a.k.a. the smoke monster. Because if the man in black got his way, (laughs) the portal, the light, the heart of the island would be extinguished and the connection between this world and the afterlife would be cut off and it would damn everyone on Earth to uh, extinction, to to eternal death, they wouldn't be able to be reborn, and no, and and new souls wouldn't be able to come in from this world, so, and it would it would destroy the planet, quite frankly, probably destroy the universe. They don't go that far, uh-huh. but yeah. Anyway, so they're like, let's drop the 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 bomb in the hatch, and turns out whatever happened happened, and they were always predestined to drop the nuke in the hatch it had already happened they can't change history and lost <laughs> like they can't do it <laughs> so as you might imagine all it does is it sends enough of an electromagnetic magnetic spike to send them back forward in time juliet dies it's a whole thing but anyway suffice to say 
Uh, they reference the hatch in Nuts and Bolts. Uh, also, he said, if you if you if you win, Jinjo Hurling, uh, Hurley says, "Awesome, dude! Take your prize and off you go. Watch out for polar bears, man! I crack myself up." So I don't know if you know anything about Lost, Malik, but uh, in Lost, there are polar bears on the tropical island. You're like, that's weird. Why are oh, there polar bears? Why are there polar bears on this tropical island? Well, in the 70s, the Dharma Initiative brought animals <laughs> to the island on the offshore islet, which they called Hydra Island because they had the Hydra research station there. And there they did all sorts of research on animals. They genetically modified polar bears to exist in a tropical climate, they also made hybrid birds <laughs> called hybrids. Hybrids, yeah. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> and one hybrid actually like would shout in the jungle, "Hurley, Hurley!" And Hurley was like, "Dude, did that bird say my name?" It didn't. It was just a coincidence because Hurley kind of sounds like a hybrid's call. The Hurley bird catches the worm. Anyway, polar bears. I that's weird though because you know. I don't know if Boggy is supposed to be a polar bear, but you know, Banjo knows a polar bear. Yeah, yeah. So even if you don't know Lost, you might just think, oh, that's just a reference to Boggy. Yeah, yeah watch Boggy out for polar sucks. bears because, yeah, he sucks. He's a deadbeat. <laughs> <laughs> watch out for polar bears. They Watch out for polar bears. They might ask you to, you know, masturbate in their living room. Me. Yeah. Other children are in the other room. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we, I feel like uh, every episode we're on together just goes off the rails eventually I feel like <laughs> we we just like get to this punch drunk state of being where, where we're like yeah ah. we're just going off the rails and do, saying absolutely whatever <laughs> this, is, this is where it gets fun <laughs> Wait, do we want to talk about Jinjo Bingo at all Jingo yeah, I, I feel like like Ray Day brought this up. Like King Jingling is operating Jinjo Bingo, and I feel like they just picked Jinjo Bingo because it it sounds fun. It, it's a fun uh, combination of words: Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo, Jinjo Bingo. And you know, there, there's not any thought put into that, but we do like it is established King Jingling. Like this, this is like a game that's really taking jinjo dumb by storm like th- this variation of bingo like they're really into it and you know just like you know whenever there are fads like you know remember a couple years ago when escape rooms were the big thing oh yeah yeah so it's like it t- bingo yeah i mean the stuff that <laughs> the old, bingo fad stuff that i <laughs> stuff that old people play in like firehouses on wednesday nights <laughs> 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 yeah, it's taking Jinjo. I guess you know it didn't make its way to the Rare Archipelago. In the Rare Archipelago, they like matching games. You know, matching like the like flip the cards and try to match the images. There's a lot of those in the Rare Archipelago, the sheepy shop mm-hmm. and what have you. But uh, bingo, it, it didn't take till like 2008 for it to really take off. Oh, absolutely! Like, how how long has bingo been a thing? Like 300 years at least. <laughs> <laughs> so i do at least appreciate- a century yeah yeah it, you know it, it's it's an isolated archipelago malik i mean it, it takes it takes a while for some aspects to uh to reach them i suppose <laughs> i do appreciate uh nuts and bolts though uh how it, it made the junjos i think 
more fun characters. Because, yeah, we, we learned, like, every Jinjo has a full command of language. They're not just, um, like, mindless creatures with the um, the higher stationed Jinjos, the ones with, like, the full range of intelligence. No, every Jinjo has a personality. Every Jinjo even might have a name. It, it's kind of the anti-Latter-day Paper Mario in that mm-hmm. regard. Uh, Nuts and Bolts is, is yeah. definitely worth your time. I went on about Granny's Revenge, but I feel like Nuts and Bolts, if you just accept what it is, uh, and you you go in, like, I, I want to hang out with some Banjo-Kazooie characters and catch up with them, you're going to have a good time, too. Yeah, I think I will. But, of course, um, the most recent appearance of Jinjo's was was a big appearance. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, the Kingmaker itself, uh, has made the Jinjinator overnight household like, name. Household name, and, and it's it's amazing because I was bemoaning the how the Jinjinator just kind of fell off after Banjo Kazooie was never referenced, was never brought up. King Jingling, you know, appeared in Tui, uh, was alluded to in Granny's Revenge, appeared in Banjo Pilot. Uh, and uh, and nuts and bolts, but we never saw the Ginginator again. And now, all of a sudden, look who is the big man on campus. Uh, it's not King Jingling, it's the Ginginator. The Ginginator, by being part of Banjo and Kazooie's final smash in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, has immediately been vaulted to one of the most important Banjo Kazooie characters. Just by being in Smash. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the effect Smash has, for better or for worse. And I, I, I am quite pleased with this turn of events, I have to say. Yeah, I, I couldn't have been happier. Like, we, we've gone on about this many times before, but yeah. when we both saw the Ginginator, we both screamed, The Ginginator! It, it was, bo- in a, <laughs> Yours was a bit both more foul, but yes. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was with three other people. You, yeah, I mean, like. Uh, but we yeah, both yeah. we both had the same reaction, you know, the Gingernator. Um, and yeah, you you did that uh, episode with Banjo Kazooie uh, and smashed the the big conversation we did about it. Uh, you were on that hours. episode. Hours, yes, that was hours. Insane. It was. Uh, it was worth it though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I did want to bring up because the Gingernator. I I said before, like Grunny's Revenge made me established the reason behind the Ginginator. And I wanted to wait actually until we got to the discussion of the final smash to bring this to light. So we know that Grunty's lair was originally like the, the Jinjo homeland, the Jinjo palace. So what if the Ginginator was this weapon, this like palace defense that like this, this Jinjo volunteered to be like, the uh the 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 fail safe if there was ever a hostile incursion uh it needed to be activated by you know five jinjos or whatever um and then then but he would be in this stasis until then and what if when gruntilda did attack for whatever reason they couldn't activate the jinjinator and so it wasn't until 1998 that when banjo kazooie get to the top of grunty's lair and and grunty doesn't even know the jinjinator is there that the jinjinator is finally able to fill its purpose and overthrow Gruntilda. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I like. To, I I just like to think that yeah, the Ginginator is just like this ancient weapon from like a 
old war or something. <laughs> old war. Well, maybe he is. I mean, maybe he is, but maybe he had been moved into there and they couldn't deploy him in 1978. And, um, and it just took 20 years. But maybe, hmm. maybe he was like, maybe, maybe the Jinjos fought in the Crimean War. And I was going to say that, or the Great Ape War. No, the, the one that doesn't exist. I was going to say you're never, you're never, you're you're about to be booted off the conversation. I'll get, I'll get a ringer in here. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't do that to you, Hyle. I appreciate it. No, uh, yeah, maybe the Crimean War, you know, was fought with. Kongs, bears, Kremlins, Jinjos, moles. Uh, I mean, maybe it was this huge archipelago spanning uh, conflict. And, and maybe the Jinjinator was this weapon. That and Big Bessie. Yeah, I don't know. But. Yeah. I, I would love. Now that the Jinjinator is this huge thing with merchandise and is known far and wide. And and it's, it's a household name beyond just the the people who shouted it in their reaction videos. Maybe maybe we'll like eventually get more of the history because you know the Kingmaker has deemed it so. The Jinjinator should appear in the next Banjo game. One of the most important Banjo Kazooie characters. I think so, or maybe like an upgrade like Jinjinator two point or some kind of like Jinjotron or we'll go through, something. We'll like go through that. the other Terminator variants, like with the, with the liquid metal Jinjinator. And... Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> whatever Matt Smith was in Terminator Genesis. Genesis. Uh, I haven't seen those movies either, but okay. Guess guess what? Nobody saw that one. <laughs> uh, so. I, I should point out too the the five original colors of Jinjo fly around in the background of Spiral Mountain. They're one of the uh, kind of ambient visuals you can see while fighting in Spiral Mountain, along with like Mumbo and Tootie and Bottles and Grunty on a broomstick. You can see the the Jinjos fly around, and, it, and it's one of like the clearest depictions of them just soaring through the sky. Like, Sans being rescued, Sans teleporting after, just them in flight, uh, which is great to see. It really does yeah. help establish, this is them flying, this is how they do it. You got the sparkly dews, the uh, the, the fairy dust, pixie dust, as you called it. And yes. um, it's also worth pointing out that uh, the Jinjos appear in spirit form. They can be upgraded into the Jinjinator. But you can fight the Jinjos in a spirit battle, and they possess Mr. Game and Watch bodies um, while while they're in spirit form, uh, which I, I I think is great. They always do very well. They usually do pretty well in pairing a character with an existing Smash character. And how are we going to reinterpret this character with the assets we have in Smash? And I like that it's Mr. Game and Watch who's like has the different colors, you know, of the Jinjos. Yeah. It it it's it's clever. Yeah. And so was, oh, what were you gonna say? No, no, I I I was just gonna go say something stupid. I was gonna say, and isn't it great that you know Mr. Game and Watch who vacationed on Donkey Kong Island during the events of Donkey Kong Country Returns. That his body, oh, right. his body would be cloned and then inhabited with the ghost of five Jinjos. Uh, it really just makes it feel like one cohesive shared universe, doesn't it? That's better than anything I could have come up with, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna say? I I I don't know. 
<laughs> well, maybe that's a good sign as any that we should wrap this up. We so, forgot the Minjos, though, didn't we? Yeah, I'm, I'm about to bring them count. up. I'm about to bring them up. I know what I'm doing. Uh, okay. So, final thoughts. We have the Minjos. And yes. the Minjos are the dark mirror counterpart to the gingers they're virtually identical nuts and bolts changes up their design a little bit to make them a little bit more like gnarled and like uh but they they can pass for gingos and my my question as we wrap it up uh i I have a couple points to hit but I, i the second point i think we we need to kind of um touch upon this before i get to it are Jinjos and Minjos actually the same species? Like, are they biologically identical? Or uh, is it like a chimpanzee and a bonobo? I feel like, yeah, they may have branched off because King Jingling says, watch out for Minjos, they look just like Jinjos. How strange, something like that. How, yeah. So I feel like they are not the same species it's yeah, maybe it's sort of like a branching off thing, like bonobos and chimpanzees. It's like these guys are a little more crazy than us. They they didn't have the same kind of food sources we did, so they are kind of riled up. I like yeah. that. Bonobos, minjos are chimpanzees, as to uh, jinjos to bonobos. So the jinjos would be the chimps, and minjos would be the bonobos, because bonobos are a bit like more gnarled, meaner chimpanzees. No, I thought they were the peaceful. No, they're the peaceful ones. Are they? They're the make love not war ones. Bonobos? They're more chill. They're more chill than chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are like angry all the no, time. No, I know chimpanzees can be assholes, and and that's why, like honestly, you know me, you know me, like you know how much I love apes and monkeys. Like it, I don't, I don't care who you are. If you're a, a <laughs> mandrill, if you're a squirrel monkey. If you're an orangutan, if you're, you know, I love you all. Uh, chimpanzees, I, I, I do have problems <laughs> with. I, I, I'm like, you know what? I see too much of humanity in you, you chimp. Yeah. And uh, I don't like it. I love gorillas. I, my, my goal in life, if I have any goals left in life, when I'm not feel, feeling like the gnarled, uh, I said gnarled again. I I am a minjo right now. I am a gnarled husk. Uh, my my goal in life, other than to you know hopefully make DK Vine uh, a success and uh, a, a legitimate resource and avenue of entertainment for people, is to be hugged by a gorilla. <laughs> I'd like that too. But yeah, chimps. I don't know. Nah, I, nah, nah. I, you know, I, I, I've argued with people if chimpanzees have actually appeared in the DKU yet, because some people try to say Dixie is a chimp, and I'm like, no, no, no. She's no. too nice. She's too nice, and she, she has too much of a monkey stature, you know? Uh, we, we can argue all night, and trust me, I would if Dixie has a tail or not, but I think she's supposed to be a monkey, right? Uh, and some monkeys have... Uh, very small tails, almost like vestigial, like rumps of tails. Dixie could be that. If you really feel this passionate about her not having a tail, I'll allow it. 
so long as you say she's a monkey, but they're they're not chimps. Diddy's not a chimp. Diddy has a tail. Don't ever say Diddy is a chimp to my face, or you will lose that face. I'll slap like it off. Like a chimpanzee would. Like do a chimpanzee it to you. would rip off your face, right? So you know what? I am actually okay if chimpanzees never appear in the DKU because, quite honestly, they don't deserve it. They don't. Mm-hmm. Now, I I still want to protect them. You know, I I if a chimpanzee family moved into the wreath on my door, I would let them live there. I would crawl through the window for them, but I, I yeah, because w- you would have no other choice. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yes, sir, you can stay here as long as you like. Just don't eat me. (laughs) So, okay. So, if Minjos are some sort of just, like, small evolutionary offshoot of Jinjos, what does it Mm -hmm. say, then, about the possible origin of the Jinjos? And you say, wait, 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 wait wait a second. Hold on. The origin, we know the origin of Jinjos. They came from Spiral Mountain. That is their ancestral homeland. Yes, it is. I am talking about a further origin, farther back. I am talking about where the Jinjo genealogy, where where their DNA actually originated Gingiology. from. Yes, sorry. It's Gingiology. Gingiology. Because in Banjo-Tooie, mm-hmm. you may remember those extraterrestrial characters who had crash-landed in the ocean. Yes. And one of the, uh, I, I guess they're supposed to be greys. I, I don't, like, it's never really defined what type of alien extraterrestrial race they are. But they, they look vaguely similar to what is known in popular culture as the greys. You know, what, what people report to have seen during uh, supposed alien abductions, what popular culture is kind of run with, the large head, bulbous eyes. Um, so I'll just say they are the DKU interpretation of the greys. Obviously, we've seen other extraterrestrials like pigs and whatnot, uh, Pluto pants, <laughs> who, uh, you know, Mr. Pants met on the moon when he blasted his homemade rocket with his uh, illegitimate son, Toby, when, when they went right. to the moon together. They met uh, this extraterrestrial with antenna that Mr. Pants then put a pair of uh, Y-front underwear, uh, underpants, on the, the extraterrestrial's head and dubbed him Pluto Pants. And then Pluto Pants loved it, became best of friends with Mr. Pants, and there was no interstellar war. But anyway, that that's that's a different type of extraterrestrial, but I think these are supposed to be mm-hmm. the greys. So uh, we, we have the small gray child known as Alphet. And Alphet is carrying this yellow Jinjo doll. Interesting. Interesting. So, the question is, well, okay, does this suggest that even unbeknownst to Jingling and the Jinjos who are living in the rare archipelago on the Isle of Hags and Spiral Mountain, does this suggest that the Jinjos may have an origin in the stars? Are they from uh, another solar system are they are they from like beyond a known uh, civilization elsewhere like are they from the same place that the greys are from 
Zedi Reticula or, or whatever, whatever the f- where the fuck grades come from, <laughs> are the Jinjos from there? Were they brought to Earth uh, in similar fashion to like in the nineties? There was this uh, theory, and I say theory loosely, that you know Chupacabra <laughs> sightings had increased. Uh, in the uh, American Southwest, throughout Mexico and Central America, chupacabra sightings were suddenly everywhere again, and there was a lot of conflation between chupacabras and the uh, greys of popular culture. And so this, it was like, what if greys are like the pets, or what What if chupacabras are the pets of greys, and they like got loose from the spaceship, and they, they, they started like populating the... Uh, the Southwest on down uh, where, you know, a lot of UFO sightings were. And, and that, that was, that was briefly a theory for Chupacabra. And then people started complaining Chupacabras with like wild wolves with mange. And, and then Chupacabras yeah. kind of fell off the <laughs> the radar a little bit, but what if Jinjos were brought to earth by the greys and, and the Jinjos hmm. don't even remember this. But obviously the Greys remember this because there are still Jinjos on their home planet, as uh, evidenced by Alphet's doll. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they, maybe the Jinjos are just known like galaxy wide because they're just that cool. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay, but uh. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Yes, it's possible if the Greys have been observing Earth uh, and they have, like, reported their findings. And, you know, it's like, oh, look, we found these magical creatures that look like Trumpy. And, and like, maybe maybe that became, like, all the rage on their home planet. And they made dolls of it, toys of it. And, um, and maybe that's why Alphette wanted to come along. It's like, I want to see the Jinjos up close. And and that's that was my that was my little boy gray voice. Um, <laughs> it's possible, you know. I, I'm not saying I 100 percent subscribe to the idea that the Jinjos are extraterrestrial in origin. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I think it, it could be a cool twist. I I, I think I think if we ever learned more about the Jinjos, that would be a cool twist. And and we like I think like bringing those gray characters back because they seem like adamant that they were gonna destroy the Earth. Uh, they they were quite temperamental, so I think they would be a good plot driver for the next banjo game. Like, what about those aliens? What about those extraterrestrials that have crashed? Let's get back to that. Yeah. And and maybe we can like maybe maybe Jinjos are on their home planet. Maybe we can do Banjo Kazooie in space. Maybe that's where we take the franchise next. Well, I guess the only thing to really touch upon before we call this an episode is the everlasting question: Is Mumbo Jumbo actually a Jinjo? Oh Lord. <laughs> 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 well, what do you think? Because maybe I, I every I remember the last time I heard an official stance on this. Ed Bryan said in that rare revealed, he's like, "But he's not a Jinjo," and then he bursts out into laughter. So, I like, I, did you ask him something? <laughs> I think it was a lot more plausible in 1998 when Mumbo's body looked 
vaguely similar to the Jinjo models at the time. Yeah. I I think they just reused them. I think that uh, as time went on, uh, especially by the time of Nuts and Bolts, they in no way resemble one another. And and so I, I think I have begrudgingly moved on. (laughs) <laughs> from my theory that that uh mumbo is a ginger guy I, I used to like run the game i was like maybe mumbo's a kremlin maybe mumbo is a jinjo i don't know what the hell mumbo is supposed to be uh but i don't think he's either uh and, and here's the thing if mumbo was a jinjo mumbo would be flying around he he would be uh doing all sorts of weird stuff now we know mumbo can juggle his eyeballs uh, and we don't, we've never seen Jinjos do that, but if, you know, Jinjos took their heads off, I wouldn't bat, you know, an eye at that, so maybe they can juggle their eyeballs, I don't know. Mum, M- Mumbo can do lots of weird stuff with his body, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never seen him just soar through the air like Superman, so I, I very much doubt he's actually a Jinjo. Yeah, maybe he went through like some sort of with a mix of magic and divergent evolution. He became his own thing over time, around I, the time of Banjo Tooie, when it, he got like digits in his feet. It could just be that you know he's a human that, in addition to getting his skull face, he was just horrifically burned, and and, and <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, oh. oh, he's 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 pink and uh, like. Uh, I don't know, like, he could be a Jinjo, he could be some sort of, like, Kremlin, and, no, he, he's just a burn victim, it's very sad. But the skull, I thought that was added by Grunty's magic in the instruction manual. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a human face and then it turned into a skull, it was just a skull. Well, right? I mean, no, right, right. Uh, well, I, I like to think that it, he wasn't specifically given a skull face, I like to think he was horribly disfigured and he chose to wear a skull as a mask hide, like the phantom of the opera because he does change out his skull mask he's got the half mask and he's got the full like helmet that he wears in most appearances uh. now so he, he can clearly take it off right but we probably wouldn't like what you know what's underneath i mean <laughs> it's all vanity i'm sure we would love mumbo for who he is underneath, as in like a spiritual sense, but it's probably repulsive to look at, and we don't want to do that. I suppose not. No. <laughs> Take it away, gray pet. This has been a File 2 production. <laughs>